Hello, everybody, and welcome to a yet another episode of the Robins Report podcast with me, your host, Tom Wade. Alongside me again this week is Gloucestershire Live's John Palmer. John, how are you doing? Really good, Tom. Thank you. How are you, right? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, we must have done well last week because you're back for another swing at it. <laughs> yeah, we've lasted for two episodes, which is a good sign, I think. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, as you may see if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not and you're listening on our, on the podcast providers... Alongside us this week, we'd like to welcome in, I called him the, the Chantham Town media maestro. Will Boyle calls him the unsung hero of the club, Mr. Richard Joyce. Joyce, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Tom. You, you're all good? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thanks, not too bad. Good stuff. Not too bad. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No worries. I'm really glad to be chatting. I'm looking forward to having a chat and seeing what we can discuss about Chantham Town. That's it. That's it. There's plenty to talk about, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, there is. So before we get into it, guys, I left it till last, but I want to get it out of the way this week. Not because it's a pain or anything, because I, I do love that they've decided to get involved. But uh, I just want to give a quick mention to our sponsors, Loop1977. I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on board and get, showing us your support. You can go and shop at Luke1977.com for their latest spring and summer wear. I don't know about you guys, but I put a bit, a bit of pounds on during lockdown. So uh, I actually went and did that. Unfortunately, it's not none of it's here yet, so I can't don it, as they say. But uh, yeah, thanks to you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you supporting us. It's uh, It's been absolutely brilliant. It's very much appreciated. So, guys, uh, plenty to talk, talk about, like we said. Uh, let's jump straight into it because uh, we've got to try and keep it somewhere sensible this week me and jp went on a bit last week <laughs> and also on that thanks to everybody that uh you know put put some feedback in it's always appreciated and uh, it's really it's really been good actually i can't thank you enough of how how kind everybody's been but yeah so uh let's get straight into it and to start the week i thought this was so good when i saw this i got a little bit emotional to be honest so as you may or you may not know Josh, Josh Griffiths, our number one right now, debatable in Flinders, because that's a great battle, but we had that conversation last week. But yeah, he's got the call for the England Under-21 European Championship coming up. And I, I just got to say, it's more than deserved. Griffo, he's, there's always been questions asked. We've had the discussion, but he's going to be in with some seriously talented players. He's he's going to the Under-21s under Euros. And let's be honest, guys... Joycey, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts when you saw this? I don't think you could argue that, really, could you, in terms of how much he deserves it? I, I get a lot of emails, Tom, but that email when it came through on Monday morning was definitely a bit different to normal from um, in, the England setup, basically saying, right, we're announcing this at 11am. No, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant for Josh. Obviously, he's been involved with the under-20s previously. Um, but, you know, he is really highly rated at, at West Brom. You know, I think they gave him a three- or four-year contract at the start of the season. And that's not bad for a first professional contract. I think people forget sometimes that he was playing under-18s football last season. And now he's playing week in, week out in League Two. I think he's made 40 appearances in all competitions for us and kept something like 18 clean sheets in those 40 games. So a clean sheet nearly every other game is not bad for a teenager who's playing his first year of professional football. Um, so fantastic with Josh. And also, you know, I'm very lucky to get to know him since day one. He's a lovely lad as well. So fantastic for him and his family. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, JP, what were your thoughts? Because I know I know you were uh, you wrote you got on this straight away and wrote up a report report for Gloucestershire Live. Yeah, I think Joycey's got to know Josh quite well. From my dealings with him, he's very mature, very level headed lad. Um, 
quite lucky for Cheltenham in a way that he moved to Ledbury just before he signed for Cheltenham on loan. Obviously, it's almost local. I know we've got um, Cheltenham have got a good link with West Brom anyway, but the fact that he lives in Ledbury just down the road really has definitely played a part in him coming to Cheltenham. I think what's impressed me the most about him this season is the amount of games he's played, as Joyce said, 40 appearances in his first season of senior football. But it's the way that, yes, he has had the odd setback, but he was the hero on Saturday, really. He made a save from a one-to-one from Robbie Wilmot um, in the 80, sort of between 80 and 90 minutes, which sort of paved the way for Andy Williams to go and score the winner, which I know we'll talk about a bit more later on. But he played a huge part in that. He, and then he probably was disappointed with Tuesday. Not that the goals were, uh, certainly the first goal was a bit of a freak one, but he might have come away t- Tuesday feeling he could have done a bit better. But I think he never lets it affect him. Um, when he, Whenever he has as a setback, he's come back as if nothing's happened. And I remember Jack Butland, you know, seems like a long time ago now, 2011-12, if he did make a mistake, which he, he did make a couple of bloopers, Jack Butland's, but obviously you could tell he was going to be a very, very good goalkeeper. But next game, it was back to being very assured, very calm, very confident. And I think that is the quality that I see in Josh that makes me think he can go to have on a very, go on to have a very, very good career in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, you know, Joyce, you mentioned it there. He's, he's had 16 clean sheets in the league alone. And a league like this, to keep that many clean sheets, that's just incredible, really. And especially for a guy of his age. So, you know, all the best to him. I really do wish him all the best. Unfortunately, it does mean he'll be away for the Morecambe game a week Saturday. But, you know, I don't I don't think we could really deny him the opportunity, could we? Let's be honest here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for his career, it's going to be huge, really. You know, great. I suppose it's a difficult decision because obviously, you know, you, do you stay with the team that you've been harping off in the season? And of course, there's this probably a bit of a question mark now because Scott Flinders will come in again at Morecambe and and then it's, it creates this question mark for the manager, you know, where, you know, if Scott Flinders was to come in and do an outstanding performance and Josh is coming back, I think, literally the, the day or two before the Tranmere game on Good Friday, you know, it, it creates that sort of question mark, really. So it is a big decision for him to go away and do it. But at the end of the day, when your country calls, especially at under-21 level, and you're going to be in the same team as hudson Adoy, Mason Greenwood, um, Smith Rowe, Tom Davis, Ben Godfrey, you know, and you're playing for League Two, Cheltenham, you've, I think you've got to go and take it. Yeah, definitely. That's um, that's a serious list of potential elite players. And that's uh, that's not a bad, you know, not a bad team to be mixing with, is it? Let's be honest. But yeah. Yeah, sorry. But you say Josie there. Well, no, just saying, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it is. I think uh, I stood with him actually when he was cleaning his boots after he got the call up on Monday, and I was reading up the squad list to him because I don't think he'd quite seen who was in the squad entirely. And uh, I think someone walking past said, "You know, that's a Premier League team." That <laughs> you know, you're, you're basically in a Premier League team uh, going to play international games against some of the top nations. So, uh, not a bad group to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I'd, I'd love to have seen his reaction. I bet it was, uh, you know, one of the moments and. It, for him, he won't forget it, and it, it, it's it's great for him, and it's obviously great for the club as well. It's it's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, con- congratulations, Josh. We wish you the best. And um, don't know about you guys, but I'll definitely be watching out. See how he gets yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see how he gets on. See if he gets the opportunity because we know he'll definitely take it. Um, quickly moving on from that. Obviously, it's uh, Thursday. We record. Duffy spoke spoke this morning. Um, pretty much. We'll get into a little bit later on what he said about Salford. There was something I found quite interesting that he really didn't like, um, but we'll see about that later. But as we like to do, injury updates-wise, so just a quick overview. I mean, me and JP were talking just before 
And Duffy said himself, there's no fresh injuries at all. So the squad as it is, is fit. Obviously, Lloydie's still missing with his concussion. Uh, word is it's 19 days. Um, JP, you said 19 days from the Exeter game. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's that's the because it was his second one of the season. And as Michael said, then just around about the three the three week mark. And today, I think he when he said 19 days on Thursday morning, I think he means from. Is that right, Josie? From when the injury was sustained. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So he'll probably be looking around the, the Tranmere game when he that he's potentially going to be back in and around it. So yeah, it's the right thing to do, even though he, he might feel like he can play on Saturday. They've got to take those extra precautions because he has two had two bad whacks on the head this season, hasn't he? He's a brave lad, puts it in where it hurts. And yeah, he's, it's a real shame for him because he's got his chance and he was taken off at half time. But yeah, you've got to do things by the book with head injuries, you know, and it's it's been in the news a lot recently, hasn't he? You can't take risks with them. Um, with that sort of thing. So hopefully you can come back strong over the Easter weekend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can't take like it's the rest of your career online, isn't it? With, you know, you take, you take in, you take every precaution you can protect the players as, as much as it will be you miss him. Cause I thought he did very, very well until he had to come off against Exeter. Um, but yeah, so quick recovery to, to Lloydie. But one thing Duffy did mention as well, uh, there's no, nobody really close to coming back, which means, Rags still out, Boyley still out. Um, Joycey, big, big, big list of injuries in in terms of what those two guys, three guys including Lloydie, bring to this team. Mm. It's going to take some replacing those guys, and especially with with the run we've got coming up in the next four, three or four games. But as we get past Easter, things do start to you know ease off schedule wise. Um, what are your thoughts on these guys missing? Me and John have spoke about it. It must be it must be felt quite big at, at the club. Yeah, I think you know everyone knows over the last two and two and a bit years that a lot of the success has been built on the formation change. Obviously, Ben Toes in the middle of back three, but a big part of that has been Will Boyle on the left. Although, of course, Jacob Greaves was there for a lot of last season, and then on the right since he's come in, Charlie Raglan, and suddenly that defensive three that has been such a key part. You, you, you're taking out the two wide of the of the two centre backs is is huge, really. Um, I think we've been fortunate that Sean Long has come in and now it's just almost as a, a given that he's playing as a centre-back. You know, of course, we've always seen him as a right-back or a right-wing-back. He played that one game in midfield against Harrogate and that was seen as a big thing because he was playing in a different position. Well, now he's played as a central defender for several games, not just on the right, but also on his probably less familiar left as well and done a great job. So we've probably been very blessed that someone like Sean Long came back from his injury at the right time and also has that sort of footballing ability and brain to step into that role and do such a good job. Um, and then, you know, someone like Lewis Freestone's come in and, and, you know, he's had to be really patient this season, but he has had some great opportunities. I think, you know, John was speaking to him the other day at our press conference and, you know, he played against Man City. He played in some of the League Cup games against Peterborough. He's played in the FA Cup games against Crewe. So he's played against some top, top teams this season and done well. So, you know, great to have Lewis there. And of course, he's left-footed as well. You know, left-footed central defenders aren't the easiest thing to come by. And it was great to have Lewis in the background there. And, of course, Grant Horton, who came off the bench and did really well at Cambridge, been doing really well with all the different loan spells he's had. Again, a, a first-year pro like Josh Griffiths. And who knows, he may have a chance to, to play a part potentially in the remainder of the season too. Yeah, definitely. And I think, JP, that's something you mentioned, wasn't it? Everybody now has got to, got to play a part. Whoever it is, has got. Is, now's the time to put, put forward your case. Yeah, I think to go to Exeter with, with that back three changed so much. So Tozer in the middle... 
Freestone on the left, long on the right, and keep a clean sheet. That's that's no mean feat against Exeter because while Salford have got the best defensive record, Exeter have, have got the best goal scoring record, haven't they? So to keep a clean sheet there with those three all performing well, and then Tuesday obviously they'll be a bit disappointed with the defensive performance, but you know Ben Tozer hasn't made many mistakes this season. If you can call it a mistake, it was just a bit of a freak goal for the first one, and I'm sure they'll would have wanted to defend the long throw better for the second. But I think Freestone is is a good footballer. He's quite comfortable on the ball for for a for a for a big strong defender. I think he's again he's just starting out really. He's, he's a bit more senior experience this before this season than Josh Griffiths did, but similar really. He's right at the start of his career. He's showing good qualities. You know, remember Joe Roden came in, didn't he, on loan from Swansea? He he did well, but he had a bad game against Coventry, got taken off at half time, and now he's playing for Spurs. You know, and he he showed some potential. You know, it's it's difficult playing in League Two, even for even for the sort of players that are going to go on to play at the very top with that footballing ability, I think it is a, is a really steep learning curve. But I think Lewis has done well overall. And as Joycey said, he's played in some really big games and done well and held his own. So the back three is going to be different for the next few weeks at least. And, and there's no doubt that Raglan and Boyle have missed. But I think Freestone and Long have got to step up. If needed, Horton, Barry. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to put the kiss of death on it, but I think if Toza were to get injured as well, I think that would be... A major, major blow because he is a huge part of of the way that Cheltenham plays, and he the way that he plays out from the back, captain as well. Yeah, you know, I said last week that I said last week that Circum and um, Hussey are rate as our best two players. I think Tozer is probably next in terms of importance, potentially as important, but in terms of sort of quality, I just think Circum and Hussey stand out. But Huss, uh, but Tozer, I remember during the commentary for the Man City game, they were saying that he, he looks like he could play higher. In terms of the composure that he's got and the way that he brings it out and the calmness he brings, and as Michael Duff said this morning, he digs people out when he needs to. He's got those leadership qualities. So let's hope that he can stay fit, yeah. and then the other two can step up alongside him and 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 stay as solid as they have been all season, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think we saw saw that against Exeter, didn't we? Which speaking of, we will actually move on to talk a little bit about Exeter now. Um, Toes is ability you could see against Exeter why he he is the captain you know I thought there's no dig at either of them but I thought there was opportunities where Long looked a little bit shaky to start the game maybe we spoke about how good Exeter were going forward with Bowman and Kay maybe that was something there but he, he soon sorted that out Toes obviously had a word you could see it obviously you guys could see it better I follow we see it sort of but you know, you get to just see as much as you can. You can see he, clearly he was directing these guys, pulling them as a unit and telling them. And just coach, it's a bit of coaching as well, on-field coaching. It's very clear why he is the captain. He did it with Freestone when he, he unfortunately, well, nearly, I'd say mistake, nearly cost town. But a great save from Griffiths, as you mentioned, from, uh, from Wilmot. So you could definitely see Toza's quality and why he is the captain and, I'd like to see if he could play forward, but I think right now he has to stay where he is because that's where he is. So the heart, I speak about Connor Thomas being the engine. Ben Toes is the heart of this team for me. But but yeah, I don't know about you guys. So we'll talk a little bit in about the Exeter game. And JP, me and you spoke about it. We said it was going to be tight. We said it was going to be edgy. It was it they don't give up many goals, but they do score goals. We've got an excellent away away record. I don't think we really the build up we gave. I don't think it really disappointed, did it? To be fair, no, it was tight, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
Tozer made a brilliant block from Bowman, didn't he, in the first half? That was one of the key moments of the game. And then the Wilmot chance we've already spoken about. Alfie May nearly scored straight away at the other end, didn't he? Straight after that save from Griffiths. And then I think Michael Duff said he probably would have settled for a point after 85 minutes. But with the toes along throw, you know, it's probably a bit of a bonus really to score from a toes along throw without Boyle on the pitch. I remember discussing it with with both Michael Duff and Andy Williams after the game, and Joycey was there as well. But good to get a set piece from a long throw into the net without without the main man Boyle, who's been getting on the end of so many of them this season. But I think it wasn't a smash and grab job because it wasn't. Um, it's not like Exeter were all over Cheltenham, but they're a very good team, and Cheltenham did have to battle to keep them out. I think it. You know, it's a really, really big result. That felt it felt like a big result. And I know Tuesday didn't go to plan, but to go to Exeter and win, to stay top, um, because with as the game went into injury time, obviously with the, the way the, the other results were going, I think Cheltenham were third. It's a big, it was a big, big achievement to go there and win with the players missing that they had, with Lloyd going off at half time. And I was really pleased for Andy Williams as well because he's been he's been getting a bit of stick this season at times, but he's such a positive influence around the place. And he's so vocal on the sidelines, but he's not sitting there sulking, thinking that he should be in the team ahead of, of Sam Smith. He's encouraging Sam Smith. He's he's, he's non-stop really, Joyce, isn't he, on the touchline? You, you can hear his voice probably more than anyone's other than Michael Duff. And it's really mm. pleased for him to get that goal. Although some players were, were giving him a bit of stick trying to take it off him. I think it was his goal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was brilliant for Willow. Um, for, for me, that game was almost like, an expect you know going into the 90th minute nil nil you start to think you know a nil nil where Exeter isn't a bad result very good team you know right always right up there good quality and you're away from home you always take a point away from home and then suddenly ball gets launched in the box Andy Williams nods it or glances it in and it's almost like it was a bonus two points suddenly so you know it was a real you know I, I was buzzing coming away from that game because it I think if you'd come away with a nil nil you would have gone off you know fair enough but coming away with three points was fantastic um and like like John said delighted for Willow who is a lovely chap and um, has worked hard this season and, of course, hasn't had as many opportunities recently, but when he has had them, he's, he's done everything he can to try and make an impact. Yeah, he has. And uh, I was very pleased for him. I thought it was it was hard to tell. Obviously, I just, the, the throw come in and all I knew, next thing I knew, the ball was in the back of the net. Who it came off, who got it there, I really didn't know. Then you see Williams, you know, you see Andy Williams rolling away, celebrating, and I was like, wow, that... Yeah, he deserved that. He really did. And people forget, I said to JP after the game, people forget that he is our top scorer. And they say, oh, he's our top scorer for a reason because we haven't got anybody else this time. Absolute garbage. It's absolute garbage, in my opinion, because he is he is a good player. He's had a solid career for a reason. Hmm. He's not had opportunities because you look at what Sam's been doing. You look at what Alfie's been doing. You know, how can you replace those guys? You can't because it's... You're almost setting yourself up for, for not saying failure, but for something that could possibly go sideways. So I think for him to come in and take his chance, especially off the bench as well, you know, there's still other guys in this squad that could get on the bench. You know, Alex, Adai, Vasilev, Indy Vasilev. There's still other guys that could come in front of him, but he sat there, waited his turn. Duffy's gave his turn and he's he's repaid Duffy in that sense. So I was very, very pleased that, that Williams got the goal and... I think now hopefully we can just put that all to bed or all the all the things that we've seen can just be put to bed and let's just get behind them because we don't need that sort of thing. We need to get behind the get behind the guys, you know. And I think it's so big 
for him, it's so big for the club because once again, it's putting pressure on Duffy to make a decision. It's not so easy that guys are walking into the team like people think they might. So I, yeah, I'm very happy for Williams. And I did actually say that uh, I bet there was nobody else out there happier for him than JP when he scored that goal. I just think if it, in January, for example, if, if Andy Williams hadn't signed in the summer and we heard that Andy Williams was coming in in January, everyone would have been absolutely loving that because you look mm. at the career he's had. Um, and I know he's, he's, you know, he's, he's into his mid thirties now, towards his mid thirties, but we've got, there's a range of players, isn't there? There's Sam Smith trying to prove himself, young lad. George Lloyd, he's having a bit of a breakthrough season, as Michael Duff put it. He's not got a huge amount of experience. I know he's been he's been around the senior setup for a while now, but he's still starting out learning his game. Indiana Vasiev, you mentioned, he's he had one loan spell, and you know it's his early, very early on in his career. Alex Arda is very young in terms of football league experience. Alfie May's been around a little bit longer, but he's still, you know, spent a lot of his career in non-league. I say, I say, he's not a vastly experienced football league player. So to have, especially with Reuben Reed going, to have Andy Williams in there with the knowledge, his goal scoring record's pretty good. Eight goals isn't bad considering the amount of games he's played. Look, look at his career; he's scored some important goals. He's had promotions. He's 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 a really good person to have around. Whether he's starting games or coming on, he's not going to disrupt anything. And I think he's a exactly the type of character that you want. And there's a few, there's quite a few of those at the moment at Cheltenham, you know, that Michael Duff's got at his disposal. So yeah, I was very pleased for him. Yeah. I think there's, there's plenty of characters in this squad. Joycey, obviously you, you, you know that being close to the guys there's, there's a character. Everybody's got their own personality and character that they bring to it. And that's what for me from the outside looking in seems to have shaped this team. That's, that's almost culture. I don't like really using the word culture because it's, it's not a culture. It's, it's, it's what you do for the club. You know, you, every player, every player goes and gives a hundred percent, but I think there is a part of that where every, every individual brings something different and it just molds together. I think out of all the different football squads I've worked with literally over the last sort of like probably seven, eight, nine years, this is up there with one of the best, if not the best squad, I'd have to say um, you literally can walk into um, any room with them or be anywhere with them and literally you can have a long conversation and, and have a genuine chat with any single one of them whether it's someone who plays every single minute every week and is a star man like Alfie May scoring goals against Man City or whether it's a, a young lad like a Tom Chamberlain or a, or a Grant Horton or a Max Harris you can sit there and just talk to them and everyone gets on and it's, it's just so easy to talk to you know last year we had a very good group as well but even then I'd say there's probably you know, one, maybe two players who perhaps you didn't feel as comfortable talking to or who you weren't interested in having a chat with you. Whereas in this current group, everyone wants to have a chat. Everyone's happy to see you. And that can only mean one thing, really, which is that they're together. And, you know, adding the quality they've got as well, you can see why we're near the top of the league or we are top of the league um, because we've got that sort of character and the quality as well. So it's a winning combination. And as it's proven to be so far this season, I just hope for the sake of the fact they're all a great bunch of lads that they make that count come the end of the season and get rewarded for it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And talking account, you know, we made our chance count against Exeter. And I think we could all agree that that was two points gained, not because, of, not because the goal comes so late, but it's a, it's a result that you wouldn't really have said is a given a, a three points. I said it was gonna be a hard battle. I did say, although I will claim this, I did say we'd go there and get a result. So I'm so happy about that. And uh, <laughs> I did tweet out Saturday morning. I seen a lot of people not being very positive, but I was. I was very positive. I kept it positive on the pod. That's what we like to do. 
not because I'm I'm told to, not because or anything like that, because it's how I feel. I, I've got a certain feeling with this team. They've always they've got they've got that almost got that ability that you know they've got a goal in them, they've got the fight in them. And I think to round off the Exeter, the Exeter game, I think we could all agree, huge win. It capitalized on, you know, a couple of the teams around us dropping points. John, you mentioned that at one point we were down to third and that an ex, you know, an Exeter goal would have seen us looking up now, really, wouldn't it? Especially after the game we've unfortunately got to speak about in a second. But yeah, um, over, overall, I thought we played very well, kept out a very, very good Exeter team. And it's a huge three points to towards our target. Yeah, first win there since 2012 as well. So 2012-13 season, I think it was. So yeah, it's been a, long, yeah. been, been a long wait, eight years or so for, for for the last win there. So not easy. And yeah, massive result. Yeah, massive. I agree. I agree. So swiftly moving on to the one that I re don't really want to talk about. But hey, we take the rough with the smooth, don't we? <laughs> so, so Tuesday night saw town, I don't know how to put this, go up against a Barrow team that I said, is it meant, is it more of a, mental battle on Tuesday than it is a physical battle on the pitch. No disrespect to Barrow saying they weren't turning up and have a game. And that, let's be honest, they really did. They did turn up, have a game. Now, the question I've got is, is this Barrow hoodoo a thing? Because to me, it really feels like they're just one of them teams. And every team, no matter what league you're in, has got a team that they always seem to just, I wouldn't say fail against, but just, just, don't know how to work out. Maybe that's testament to Barrow. Maybe it's, I don't know what else it could possibly be, but credit to Barrow. So Town, as you know, lost, unfortunately lost 2-0. Another opportunity where I felt that a win would have been so big here, not just for the fact to get the, get the away defeat off our back, but more so, you know, we're trying to achieve promotion. And if you're going to do it, a home win against Barrow on a Tuesday night, I'm not saying it's a given, but you'd you'd like you'd have fancied us in that. I fancied us in that. Unfortunately, it turns out we didn't get the job done. Um, yeah, Joycey, what what did you make of this one, mate? Because for me, it was a tough watch, and I must be honest, I take notes every game, and it says a lot when I stop taking notes at halftime. At just well, about four minutes after halftime, I think um, we all know how important the first goal in games is, and I think. In no season ever before um, have I ever realised how important the first goal is in this season. Um, I, I think that's because of the impact of the fact that there's no crowds in the stadium and, and so on and the way in which games have changed and, and sort of the mood of games. And so often we score first. And I know when we score first that we're going to get something from the game. Even if it's just a draw, I know that it's very rare that a team's going to come back and score two goals against us. And so on on Tuesday, when Barrow go 2-0 up, 1-0 uh, up, sorry, after two minutes with a free goal, um, you know... It, Barrow, the position they're in, brilliant. For them, that's perfect. They've come all the way down to Gloucestershire, won them up within two minutes, so they just banked up. And for the rest of the first half, you know, we attacked, we attacked, I think we hit the woodwork. Uh, I think we had about two or three goals, potential goals cleared off the line. Um, we threw everything at them. And then half-time probably killed us, really, because half-time gave someone like Rob Kelly, who's done an incredibly good job so far. I think he's had something like six wins out of his nine games in caretaker charge over the two spells this season. Gave someone like him the opportunity to get the group in the Barrow group in at half time and to perhaps have a look at how they could improve in terms of how they were banking up and 
at what they were doing out of possession because they probably appreciated and realised that we were going to be in possession for most of the second half as well. And, you know, unfortunately, that brilliant attacking force we had towards the end of the first half where we couldn't get a goal couldn't be repeated in the second half. And you have to face it, if we had managed to do what we had done at the end of the first half in the second half, we would have definitely scored because there's no way Barrow could have held off for 45 minutes with that sort of sort of, sort of of monsoon of attacking. Um, but, you know, Barrow, you know, like I said, they did a, a job over us at their place uh, just before Christmas. And I think you have to realise as well, you know, they had a really good January. You know, they brought in Ollie Banks, really good midfielder from Tranmere. Uh, Tom Davis came in on loan from Bristol Rovers. That's a really good recruit. Jamie Devitt, who came off the bench the other night, another player who's been excellent in League Two for Carlisle and Newport over the years, um, and obviously got himself a, a move to Blackpool. So this Barrow team isn't bad. And as soon as you give them that one goal advantage, they banked in, made it difficult, and unfortunately we just couldn't break them down. Um, you know, it, frustrating because you would think, look at the league table, that you should beat Barrow. But of course, League Two football unfortunately doesn't work like that. It's it's absolutely relentless. And even with South End, we saw the other week. Yes, we beat them one 0 but they were a significantly better team than the one we watched at their place earlier in the season. Yeah, definitely. It was. I couldn't agree more. It was definitely going to be a tight, a tough game. They weren't just going to come out, come down here and, and sit there and roll over. Um, yeah, JP, you agree? Agree? That's a fair assessment. I feel. I mean, I I, I messaged you and said, I think it was a half time. I said, can we pick the ball up and run it in? Because I thought at that point. Is that the only way we're going to score? We had so many opportunities. It just, it felt it felt to me as if that period of the game summed up the whole game as in it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it was almost becoming comical uh, just before half-time about how the ball was staying out of the net. I mean, there was the one from, I think Hussey's shot might have touched Sam Smith's head, hit the inside of the post. You had the Sam Smith shot that he was, unfortunately, he was completely off balance, tried to put it in on his left foot. Maybe you know if he if he was if he was right footed it would probably have been an easy goal but he was unfortunately had to try and get onto his left foot he was off balance didn't get enough power behind it and it was cleared off the line uh, there was another one cleared off the line wasn't there it was just it was it was comical but you got to give Barrison credit for the way they they somehow kept the ball out of the net I thought Jason Taylor um, obviously former Cheltenham did okay in the centre midfield but I didn't think really I didn't think the midfield I didn't agree with some I've seen some places that the midfield was a major problem on. Tuesday. I don't think it was the midfield's problem. I think it was just unlucky with the chances because chances were created and then probably easily avoidable goals or, you know, didn't, as Michael might have put it, didn't make them work hard enough for the goals. One of them was a, a cross from the right from 20, 25 yards that, you know, very, very unusual sort of goal that it crept in the far post. And then the second one, I can't remember Cheltenham conceding from long throws too many times this season. Obviously, they spend a lot of time working on trying to score from them. I can't remember them conceding many. Um, I didn't think it was um, a case of Barrow dominating the middle of the pitch. Um, and I don't think Cheltenham's midfield is that much of an issue. Um, just just for some reason, the ball wouldn't go into the net. There were chance after chance being created in the first half. There was one period where Hussey was absolutely on fire. I'd say 20, 25 minutes until half-time, they couldn't get anywhere near him. But again, somehow, it, despite him having one hit the, hit the post, balls into the box, it just wouldn't go in. So just got to put it down to... Wouldn't say it was um, as bad a performance all round as the game at Barrow, but it, the, the thing that Michael Duff will be disappointed with is the way they, as Joycey said, Barrow set up in the second half to frustrate and the Cheltenham ran out of ideas and the second half was really frustrating because you, you, you never really felt a comeback was on the cards in the second half. Yeah, I agree. And um, I said on Twitter, you know, that's perfect for them. They they come straight out, straight out after half time, instantly five at the back, 
and I mean, at times, I don't know if you guys noticed it, it was very, very clear to me. At times, there were nine men behind the ball, nine men in their own half, seven behind the ball. I mean, you could be one of the best teams in the league, which I think we are, obviously, but you could be, I don't know, so prolific as a team. That's hard to break down. That's at any level. A team goes five at the back, seven behind the ball, sitting two, two centre of their midfielders in, in, in the centre defence midfield role. And then they get nine, nine in their own half. They're just thinking, right, we're launching at the top every time. Lone man, try and get a knockdown, try and bring it down. Then we'll counter, which I thought they did a good job at, to be honest. You know, that's hard to beat. And I think there was just no way it just wasn't meant to be, in my opinion. It's just, yeah, disappointing, very disappointing. But when you play in a team like Barrow that came, give a good fight, and like I said, go that defensive from straight from the off and you're chasing the game. Unfortunately, the goal, the second goal was just it was very disappointing. I just, I'm not going to blame Griffo. I'm not going to blame Loggy. It's just one of them things. Let, let's put it behind us, move on and, you know, reset. And I think this is a great, great, great time to move on from that one now. So looking ahead to this weekend, town take on. I was going to say this before, before. So we've had two winners of the Papa John's trophy this year. And this confused me. It's not because I'm ignorant and I don't look at it and I don't think it's important. It's the fact of, I was going to say the newly crowned Papa John's trophy winners, but then Sunderland next day go and win it. So who's, who's the current title holders? Sunderland, in my opinion, but whatever, neither here or there. So uh, town take on a Salford team who are pretty much the opposite of Cheltenham. I was doing some digging earlier, looking at some facts and figures, and I like my stats. But if you take Cheltenham's away form and put it to home form, and then you take Salford's home form, put it to away form, you could insert that Spider-Man meme right here where he's pointing at himself, okay? Salford are that good, are as good as Cheltenham are away. But yet on the road, on the road, they're not, they're not that great. They've lost, I think they've, they've drawn two, two of their last five, haven't won in the last five, I believe is correct. I will fact check that in a second. But what are your what are your thoughts, John, heading into this one? Salford on a high, coming in off that trophy win. I'm not going to say they've uh, they've not lived up to their reputation at this league of walking it and stuff because I think that's a very dodgy t- subject to touch on. But um, they've had it tough this year. They sit down in ninth. That's the confidence they need, do you think? Because they're still wow within the shout of getting in the playoffs and, and making their own push for League One. What, what are your thoughts heading into this one? I think if ever Joyce's point about the first goal being important is going to come into play, it's going to be Saturday because of their defensive records. If you look at their recent results, and I had a little look through this morning before the press conference, they obviously were very tight in the, the trophy final, but they managed to get the win. But they are 1-0, 0-0, don't concede many goals. Um, obviously held Cheltenham to a nil-nil at at Moor Lane when Cheltenham were all over them, really, um, in December. So that that should have been a comfortable win, but they they managed to find a way to get a point. They've got Ashley Easton at the back, who's former Cheltenham. You know, enjoyed watching him play on loan early in his career. He he looked like he was going to go on to have a good career. Came to Cheltenham in 2009-10, and again in 2010-11, and has gone on to play at a good level. So he's still going. I I think he's their captain. Well, certainly has captained them, but yeah, they're, they're. I suppose you could you can compare them a little bit to Mansfield in that the players they've got in the squad probably 
should be higher in the league than they are. But they've had a change of manager. Um, Richie Wellens is showing signs of, of maybe getting it together. He's got a bit of silverware, even if they had to um, su- surrender the crown 24 hours later after winning it. But yeah, so they were last year's champions for a day this year. It's a very bizarre situation, isn't it? And that's only could happen in COVID times, really, couldn't it? That sort of thing. But yeah, that they will. I think everyone will probably know they will get promoted at some point. Michael Duff said quite a few times he expects them to do it this year. They don't do it this year. Once again, they'll be fancied to be up there next year, won't they? Because the investment they've got the hullabaloo around the club with the owners and everything like that. So let's just hope Gary Neville's as complimentary after the Saturday's game as he was after the game up at their place. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And I did fact check fact check that while we was talking. They have actually two draws and three defeats in their last five five away games. They lost one nil at Crawley, drew nil nil with Southend, lost two one to Morecambe, two one to Oldham, and nil nil with uh, Newport County so you know you look at that and you think there is an opportunity here they don't they don't score many they, but they don't concede many technically we come in as the better team when you look at it in terms of the run we've been on where we sit in the league uh, but I don't think it's as transparent as that and I think you're damn I think you, you're bang on right where you say you're going to be a bit cautious heading into this one Joycey what are your thoughts heading into this are we are we looking at a, another tight game or are we looking at a just another covid sort of game i'd imagine another tight game to be honest you know Salford are the sort of team who need that early confidence we went to mansfield away the other the other week yes mansfield are having a, another below par season but they're the sort of team where if their players with the quality they've got have uh, encouraged from a good start or perhaps from a good reaction to something. So, for example, Mansfield made a good start against us and was, were on top for, for a lot of the first half and then we came back into it. Then when we went one up at Mansfield, they got a chance literally within two minutes and managed to equalise and that spurred them back on to thinking, wait a minute, we can get a result here. I think, you know, a team like, I oh, know I'm talking about Salford, but a team like Mansfield, for example, if you really sort of get after them and, and their players feel like they haven't got a chance, I think they will. There is an element of them giving up. Whereas for Salford, it's a little bit different in the sense that they still have a huge sniff of getting into the promotion places and they've now got the trophy out of the way, so they haven't got to worry about that anymore. But, you know, you look at their squad and, you know, some really good individual players and they're players who've played much higher levels. You know, Jason Lowe in midfield. Um, I don't think he's been playing much maybe because of injuries, but someone like Darren Gibson obviously was at Man United. But, you know, their front line, you've got Tom Elliott, Ian Henderson, Ashley Hunter, Bruno Andrade, of course, has had a huge amount of success with Lincoln over the last sort of three or four years. You know, they boast some really talented players. That the, the question for Richie Wellens is always how you put them together and make them work. You know, it's all very well having the big names, but you've got to put them together and make them sure they, they combine together and work. Um, so they, they are the sort of team who can turn it on on Saturday. And, of course, team like Cheltenham are there to be shot down. You go into the top of the table, you want to make a point. Win away at Cheltenham, the league leaders like Barrow did on, on Saturday, and it sends sort of reverberations around the division. Other teams see that. They see that it's, you can do it, but also they sort of praise you because, they, you know, what a great result that would be. So Cheltenham has to be well aware of that, but I'm, I'm fully anticipating a, a tight game. Um, it was very, it was, it was well, it was being a nil-nil draw, it was tight up there, but yet we were so dominant and we had some great chances and I think we hit the woodwork twice that day. So I think it's going to be a tight one, um, edgy seat stuff. But it should be a good game, really, given the quality that both teams have on show in their squads. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And um, I don't think one win in the last last six games justifies, you know, who, who are turning up on Saturday. Because like you say, they got they got some great players. 
you, you look at like their scoring breakdown, like you say, Ian Henderson, he scored 11 goals in the league this year. James Wilson, seven. Ashley Hunter, six. And you've got the old guy, Luke Burgess, chipping, chipping in with three. So they have got goals in their team. It's just getting it out of them. And like you say, Richie Wellens, he's, he's got to find that way. And then Duffy's obviously got to find a way to counter counter that. I think it'll be very, very interesting battle. And I don't I don't think the fact that we are actually unbeaten under under them, one game cancelled due to the cancellation of the season. I don't think that'll come into it. There's not really much you could go off when you look back at that. I like to look back at past games and like the recent oh, let's say over a two-year period, but you can't really do that with this game. So it's, it really is heading into it. I wouldn't say blind because you know what you're getting in Salford and you know what you're getting in us. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I'd like to think we'd get a result. I'm not saying it's a given either, but I'd like to say it's a result. And I don't say that because I'm saying it every game. And then when it comes off, I look great. But when it doesn't, you know, I've got to come on here and bow my head in a bit of shame. But I think we, I think we can, I think we can get a result. And yeah, they're one of them teams that I, I look out for quite a bit. Because it's, they're an interesting team, aren't they? They're new to the football league. I, I like to see how new teams take to the football league. I don't think they've particularly took badly. It's just may, maybe it's been a bit tougher than they expected. But we know we know that because we've been here multiple multiple times. We know how difficult it is it is to get get out of this league, and you know that probably says a lot of how. Because. The top, you know, top three is probably the hardest to break into. So I think we've got to be on our game. I, I'd i like to think that you guys feel that we can get a result. I don't I don't think we're going to sit here and go, wow, you know, it's Salford. We're up against it. We're, we're going to be up against it. Well, don't, will we get a result? Oh, I don't know if we will. I hope you guys are as confident as I am. I'd like to think you are, like I said. So with that, I'm going to ask you both now. My favourite part, but I don't like it when I get asked, so I can feel how you feel right now. I'm going to ask you to see how you think this one plays out, JP. I think I went for a draw exit, didn't I? And uh, obviously ended up ended up with a good result. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for one nil win for this one. I think I can see it being decided by either another set piece or maybe a Connor Thomas penalty. I think it'll be tight. Um, I think I just had a look at the last three games. Ashley Easton has played and finished nil nil. So I think. I think 1-0 of Cheltenham we're going to go. I don't want to be accused of copying, but I think it'll also be a 1-0 to Cheltenham as well. <laughs> Someone like your Sam Smith or something popping up with a goal. I think it will be tight. Um, it's going to be a, a tough old afternoon, but you know, I'm, I'm also expecting a reaction from Cheltenham. You know, always reacted quite well whenever things have gone wrong, which has been very rare this season. And I think after Tuesday, a reaction will be needed and hopefully it will come in the form of a, a Sam Smith winner, just to make my prediction correct. <laughs> yeah, I'd be nice to see Sam score again. It will be. I'm I'm obviously gonna go with that. I'm gonna go. I was actually gonna go, I'm not saying this as we said, I was actually gonna go one nil because <laughs> <laughs> they don't score, they don't concede many, they don't score many. We don't really you know, we don't concede that we don't actually concede that many goals at home. I didn't I didn't realise until today how good we are in terms of not conceding goals at home. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 win town. I think the goal scorers will be oh, May and Circum. May and Circum, I think Henderson scores for them. Uh, you know, don't don't obviously hold me on that one. 
I am going for two in a row. I'm, I'm going for two in a row in a week. So there you go. But one interesting thing that stood out to me, guys, and I mentioned it earlier about Josh uh, Josh Griffiths, and we've kept sixteen clean sheets in in League Two. How many do you think Salford have kept? Fifteen. Close. Yeah, I'd go pretty close. To that. Yeah, Haladki's quite a good goalkeeper as well. Or are they just ahead of Cheltenham? Because I, I know they, their first choice goalkeeper is just behind Josh, but maybe they've had two keepers. So maybe, are they 17? 16. Exactly the same. Same as Cheltenham, yeah. Yeah, but they've played one game less than us. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. Goal, pretty impressive record, isn't it? Yeah. So I think 1 0 probably justify it. You can see from that, it's yeah. going to be a tight game, isn't it? I mistakenly said this morning that they'd never been to Warden Road before, but they have been to play Gloucester City in 2017. So um, they have been to, Ch- to Cheltenham before, but they never played at- against Cheltenham Town here before. So, And obviously the only person who's ever scored in Cheltenham Salford game is uh, Ryan Broom so far. <laughs> he, got both, he? he got both up there last season, didn't he? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's just not much there. You can't really go back and look, look at much no. there, can you? But yes, so uh, obviously predictions in. See how we give how we think the game's going to go out and how it's going to be played. It's going to be tight. It's going to be edgy. All kind of confident. You guys going with one nil. Me with two one. We'll keep a track on that one. See how that one plays out. But with that, I think we'll push on now because last week, me and John, you know, we got a bit bit carried away, didn't we? To be fair. Yeah, about six hours on it last week. <laughs> yeah, I think by the time it was funny because we started at six o'clock in the evening and we didn't finish till about what nine, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit that, and it, it obviously it's harder for the listeners, so I want to keep everybody happy. So, I put out some uh, some questions this week, not many responses because I'm thinking, well, there's no point asking you because you won't get there for about two hours' time, but we got there a bit quicker than we did last week. So, thanks to you guys that have uh, put some in. So a good guy, a good, a good friend of mine, Joe DeSol, asks, "What is George Lloyd's best position?" And I'll throw that to Lloydy. I, I, I think for me, George Lloyd um, obviously has been on the list as a striker. He calls you Lloydy. Um, <laughs> uh, very similar. I've never been compared to George Lloyd, but I'll take it. I'll take it if, if, if yeah. he's been similar. Um, but um, obviously, he's down as a striker. But for me, I think Lloydy with his pure work rate, his quality, and for a massive one is his aerial ability. Um, I would have him down as anyone who can play across anywhere of the front three positions. I think even if you were to play, for example, a 4-3-3, I think he could play anywhere in those front three areas. Um, or, of course, if he were to play a 3-4-3, again, any of those, those front three areas. Um, aerial ability, I think, is massive because, of course, so many uh, diagonal balls or goal kicks from the keeper, um, they tend to go out wide, and they tend to be sort of played out wide so that the person can win it in the air and then head it back inside, maybe for an overla- underlapping fullback or, or an underlapping centre-back, obviously, with our wide centre-backs or the wing-backs or even the strikers in the channel. So I think because he's got that aerial ability, I think he's someone who could play out wide. Um, I think George is well aware that he'd love to get more goals. But what I love about George is just his, his work rate is fantastic. You know, if he's going to start the game, he will run his heart out and he will press and he will make himself a nuisance and he'll put his head where it hurts, as he did once again at Exeter. And again, if he's coming off the bench and let's say we're one the up with 20 minutes to go, great, because I just know for a fact that he's going to be super busy. And, you know, if you were to have, for example, him and Alfie up front together, you just know that they're going to be covering so much ground 
out of possession, just trying to do everything they can to defend from the front. That's what I love about George Lloyd. Um, just that that work rate he's got, his aerial ability, and you know, hopefully the goals do come because um, he has scored some really important goals for us. Whether that was Lincoln City away two years ago, whether that was the the extra time goal against Crew in the FA Cup, which proved to be so crucial. So hopefully more goals come to his game. But I think anywhere across those front three positions for George Lloyd is, is the one I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with you when you say about his pace. You imagine him if you could somehow get to work obviously Duffy would have to switch the way he sets up but you imagine a front three of Lloyd Smith and May the pace the pace would be absolutely unbelievable and we saw it against Exeter actually I forgot to mention it one one thing that impressed me with Lloydie was his work rate as you mentioned and his pace he's always on the shoulder he's always trying to get in behind and I thought he played really really well and that's why I was very disappointed when he had to come off I thought he had a great game and you know, obviously Alfie come on to have his chance in the sort of good effort saved. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I personally put him out wide as well. I really would because of that pace. But I think to get him in anywhere other than up front, it turns on Duffy to change the formation, which I don't think he really will, unless it's an in-game sort of sort of change. I don't think he'll do it straight from the outset. Uh, mm. JP, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, my thoughts. We, we, me and Joyce actually had a chat about this. I think at one of the recent games about Lloydie potentially, um, you know, being able to play in several different positions across the front three. But I think he, he reminds me a little bit. There's things. There's things about his game that remind me of Neil Grayson about the way that he played. He he wasn't the biggest, but he was very good in the air. So Michael Duff would always refer to Williams and Smith as a nine, and he'd always obviously refer to the likes of May and Adai as somebody that want to play off one of those focal points. You know, you're never going to have Adai or May probably as his centre-forward. They need somebody to play off. But Lloyd's a bit of both, really. He's he's not the biggest, but he's very good in the air. He's unbelievably strong for his size. He will never give up any lost cause. He gets a lot of bangs on the head. He tries to get up. I mean, after his bang on the head against Exeter, he went up and won another great header minutes later before I thought before I think he realised he needed to probably come off at half-time and take the right precautions. But he, he's, he's unbelievably brave. And the one thing that he does need to add to his game, as we've spoken about many times, is goals. Grayson was a goal scorer as well. But if he can add that to his game, there'll be teams looking at him because of all the other stuff. He's very good at everything else um, and he's a good all-rounder. So he can do a job in behind the front two. He can definitely do a job out wide. At the moment, as you said, Tom, he's not he's not going to play wing-back. Although he, he probably could do a job at right wing-back. I, I can't see him starting <laughs> at right wing-back. I can't really see him playing in centre midfield at the moment. So it's like he, he's he's got to just... just one to go in, you know, off his backside deflection or something when he's back from his from his latest uh, concussion, and that's the only thing missing. Everything else this season, and I said this to Joycey on a chat before the game against Exeter that we did by the pitch. He looks ready to play League Two football now. You know, he's not a young kid anymore. He looks capable of handling all the challenges faced at him. Just needs to start putting the ball in the net. But he, he's he's justified his selection um, regularly this season at times. And I'm sure he's got a big part to play still in the running once he gets himself back back in the team. Yeah, George, um, it's an interesting one. I was chatting. I've, I know John knows this because uh, I quite often chat to Scott Bartlett, who's a manager down at West Supermare, and he gets a lot of players in on loan from Exeter. And Exeter have got this policy of of almost giving their players who come through their academy into the, the first-team squad almost not quite three-year contracts straight away, but look at over the course of three years. So in that first year, they want to see them sort of 
look to see if they can compete and prove themselves to be involved in the first team group. Second year, they'll send them out on loans. They'll send them out to places like Westwood Mayor, like a Ollie Watkins did, or to a Tiverton, or to a Dorchester, or to a Taunton Town, or to a Truro City. And in the third year, that's when they say, right, now you've got to try and get into the team. And it's no surprise when we went down to Exeter on Saturday, you know, all the, all the players they had in their squad, whether it was Alex Hartridge, Matt Jay, who's been stunning for them this season, who's now 25 and finally at the age of 25 is really sort of making a huge impact at Exeter. Um, all the players they've got in their team who have come through their youth system, they've just nurtured them and nurtured them and nurtured them and given them another year's contract and given them a little bit of belief. And even people like Ben Seymour, who was on the bench again, you know, I, I remember him going on loan to Gloucester City about four or five years ago and they're still holding on to him and still just developing him. And yes, that's their model, and perhaps they may have the financial backing to do that. But, you know, in, in, in George Lloyd, you're seeing that, like John says, now he's 21 years old. Now he's looking more and more like a lead two footballer instead of just a kid who was just brought on to get him minutes to see maybe he's a bit of a hoper. But, you know, not that's a real word. Um, but, you know, you, you see, they've developed him now. He's been in the first team environment, and hopefully that means that he's going to be developed even more. And then, you know, he's been given an opportunity then, instead of just being brought in, given a first year pro contract let's say, at the age of 18, and at 19 decided, oh, no, you're not for us. I'm not sure many players are going to be League Two quality who come from a youth system of a League Two club within a year. So it's fantastic that George has had three years at first-team level and he's proven that he can contribute and compete. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's that, it's that maturity, isn't it? It's all about maturity. And, you know, doing things like that, players go into places like Weston, as you mentioned, it's all about maturing him. And I think he is, I agree with what you both say, he's starting to show that he is going to be such a good player that could bring could bring a lot to give options at the top, couldn't he? You know, and that, he just adds that. And I mentioned earlier about Andy Williams. You know, I mentioned the fact that you got you got Vass in there, you got Vass Indy in there, you got Adai in there. And no offence to him, I, I didn't even mention Lloyd. Not because I didn't, I just completely, you know, you just completely forget. You just completely forget that Actually, he is a striker. He is going to be in that competition as well. And right now, I think he's putting forward his case to just to say to Duffy, look, if Alfie's not feeling it or Sam's not feeling it, put me in. I'm ready. And yeah, he's really doing that. And I hope when he comes back, you know, he picks up sort of where he, where he left off and, and continues to be that player that progresses into a solid, solid, solid option at the top for town. Look at Ollie Watkins now. It's got yeah. an England squad there, hasn't he? So, you know, yeah. Joycey rightly praising Exeter. The crew get a lot of credit for the way they do it, but Exeter are a good model as well. Hopefully, Charlton can start bringing a few lads through like Grant Horton and some of the other lads from the youth setup, and, you know, hopefully one day sell a couple on for decent money. Like, they're Ollie Watkins' yeah. money going to keep them going for years, isn't it? So. Mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be feeding off that. And fair play to Ollie Watkins. He's, you know, he's obviously worked hard from where he's coming from to where he is now. That's just an incredible, incredible story. So fair play to him. Much deserved. So we had one more question in, and I actually wanted, I was going to save this one probably for the end of the season because it's, it, it's not, it's more of a debate than it is a question. It's one of them that deserves a lot of time, probably the whole hour to talk about. So I'm going to actually change it a little bit, but thanks to, uh, to at Garthwaite14 on uh, Instagram. Obviously, Gavin, we all know Gavin. He asks, best all-time Cheltenham teams and a brief explanation as to why for each player. Um, I don't think we've got enough time for that one. <laughs> I think <laughs> that one deserves the uh, the proper treatment. So we will, I promise you now, from me, we will hit that one 
we will do that one eventually down the road sometime. So what I thought we could do is just doesn't have to be the best or the all time. Just pick one of us Nash, you guys pick one of your favorite Cheltenham teams and, uh, and why it was. So Joycey straight to you. Okay. Well, obviously I've only been at the club for a few years, so I'm, I'm, I'm probably like, <laughs> that's why. You still got the knowledge. Uh, well, I'm, I'm probably going to have to be a little bit um, biased and referred, but well, I'm not being biased at all here. I'm referring to a team that I'm sure many people would say. And But the reason I'm being biased is because it involves someone, obviously, I've, who I've worked with and I know quite well. And that's obviously the, the John Finnegan team uh, that got promoted for the first time into what was League One or back then Division Two. Um, I think, obviously, you had players who really kicked on in that team. So people like your Martin Devaney's who went on to obviously have a very good career but you also had players in that team as well who had been a part of a lot of Chatham success and, and perhaps that was their best day or, or best days in terms of the club in terms of getting up into the third tier so obviously people like Steve Book um, obviously obviously Russell Milton was around that group as well at that point uh, Mark Yates people like that um, and then obviously uh, Finners came into that group a few months before coming in from Lincoln taking advantage of the ITV digital crash and of course went on to play 200 plus games and it's just loved by the fans and hugely respected. And uh, obviously, I, I get on really well with Finners as well. So I think that team and era, you know, that, you know, obviously Michael Duff and then Shane Duff eventually came into the group a year or two later. Um, those names, victories, those are the names that I think of Cheltenham, even though that was like sort of nearly two decades ago. Those are the names I think of Cheltenham Town Football Club uh, when I sort of think of Cheltenham in their history. Yeah. Um I will, I will actually follow up on that one, but before I do, I want to get JP's because I, I think JP's going to go for one that I don't think either of us would have, uh, I don't remember it at all myself, but uh, yeah, JP, over to you with that one. Well, this is a tough one. I mean, I'm not going to go too far back, but the, the team Joycey mentioned in 0102, that's arguably Charlton's best ever team because they got to the fifth round of the FA Cup and got promoted. You've got the John Ward team of 0506 promoted um, to League One again and stayed there for a year for the first time and stayed there for two years, eventually. Um, you've got the Gary Johnson team that won the conference with 101 points. So, and this current team, you know, this current team hopefully will end up being in the same bracket as those. But I'm going to pick, um, I'm going to go for the Cottrell team that won the 1998-99 conference title, just be just because um, it's a slightly different era to the one Joycey mentioned, although some of the players were still there, like Jamie Victory, Michael Duff. But the team would be Steve Booking goal, Michael Duff, Chris Banks, Mark Freeman, Jamie Victory, um, Mark Yates, Lee Howells, Keith Knight, Russell Milton, um, David Norton, Clive Walker, Neil Grayson, Jason Eaton, Dale Watkins, Jimmy Smith. Um, probably forgotten a couple, but that that was, you know, because of the age I was at at the time and they achieved something that Cheltenham never thought was possible to get into the Football League for the first time. Um, you know, I'd love to see that team take on the team Joyce you mentioned, take on the team. Yeah, even the 11-12 season was a great team, wasn't it? With Pat Penn, Summerfield, Clyde Mohammed, Sido Jumbati, Alan Bennett, Steve Elliott, and then Butland or Scott Brown in goal. But I think I'll, without mentioning every single one, I think I'll go for the 98-99. And Gav, Gav Garthwaite will remember them well as well. I know he was around watching the team at that time. So that team that Russ, Bookie and Michael Duff, obviously on the coaching team now, were all involved in. Steve Cottrell, he took them up. Uh, three promotions, including the one Joycey mentioned, in five and a half seasons. Incredible times and laid the foundations for us, thankfully, in Cheltenham now, still having a football league club all these years on. Yeah, I, and I knew you was going to go for that team because it's so hard It's so hard to argue, isn't it? That team's yeah. just incredible. And they also won the FA Trophy, of course, the year before. Yeah, so FA Trophy as well. That, in, in a sense, to me, 
obviously, even though it was before my 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 time, um, I look back on it, and in my opinion, that team and that era set the foundations to as to be, you know for us to get where we are today. It set the foundations. It, it it started absolutely everything. Yes, we've been down since then. I know that we come back up, but that started this this whole romance between Cheltenham and the football league. I think it's hard to argue that one, but. I am actually going to agree with Joycey here because that was the one. When I saw the question, that was the team that I picked instantly because that that 0-1, team that won the playoff final, I mean, wow. It's just stacked with legends top to bottom, isn't it? Really is stacked with legends. And probably, I'd say, Martin Devaney's best game in a Chatham shirt absolutely dominated that Rushton team. And obviously my favourite player, you mentioned him, Joycey, my favourite ever Cheltenham player, or one of them, Finners, that set him on his course to becoming the captain of this club and being the great captain he was. And just the names in there, you know, that's me growing up watching Cheltenham. That, that's the guys that got me into loving this club. So that's that's the team I definitely picked myself. It's good. There's a bit of a crossover, isn't there? So in that team that you picked, Tom and Joycey, Neil Grayson, that was his last game for the club, the playoff final. He was playoff part final. of the club. John Bruff, Richard Walker, Neil Howarth, they were all there and having been part of the conference winning team. So I think Cottrell built a couple of different teams, two or three different teams. And that one was probably the pinnacle in terms of quality, professionalism. John Finnegan coming in in place of the injured Lee Howells. And yeah, going on to win another promotion as well um, in under John Ward in 2006. So yeah, that team was, was unbelievable. Great choice. And I'm sure anyone who's old enough to remember that team now would, would say it. It's up there with the best teams we've ever seen at Cheltenham. It is, yeah. And I agree with you. That's why I wanted to debate it properly. We're well, not debate it, but just go through it a bit better later on. Because like you mentioned, John, there's so many good teams. We've had so many, so many good teams put together. There's been a, the odd bad one. Well, I wouldn't say bad one. The one that didn't work out here and there. But we have been blessed with some quality players, some quality squads. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's an absolutely perfect way to uh, to end the show there. JP, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk football with you. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll do it again. Definitely, yeah. And I'd like to hear Gav Garthwaite's uh, dream Chelton team at some point as well, so we might have to get him on. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely speak to Gav about coming on for that episode. I'd definitely like to see him see him involved for that one. But yeah, yeah. Cheers, Tom. No problem. Cheers, JP. Much much appreciated. Joycey, yeah. As Boyley said. And unsung hero, keep doing what you're doing. We really do appreciate it as fans. Uh, you, you, we know how how hard you work, and you work your ass off to be honest to uh, to make sure we're up to date with everything. And you know, I I I do envy you a little bit. I'd love to do your job, but I don't think I probably could. It take a superhuman, and that's why you are the superhero, I suppose. But uh, yeah, without blowing too much smoke, thanks for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, Tom, you could definitely do it. You're halfway there with the podcast anyway, trust me. But uh, <laughs> for inviting me on, I really appreciate it. It's great stuff. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. I really do. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you both. I'm sure, yeah, like I said, me and JP, we would probably do this again. Joycey, always welcome. We'll probably get you back on again as well. Spot on. No, but I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. So thanks very much, Tom. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, guys, that'll do it for episode two. Once again, thanks to both JP and and Joycey for joining me. And of, of course, thanks to our sponsors, Luke1977. Go shop Luke, Luke1977.com. Shop their spring summer collection that has actually come out. It came out a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't seen it, go look at my Twitter. The video is just 
unbelievable. My bank balance was crying as soon as it saw it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks for those guys. Thanks to everybody who's listened, watched, liked, subscribed, shared it. And also give give us some feedback. We really do appreciate you getting involved. And please do get involved. It's not it's not just about us three on here. It's not just about me. It's, it's it's for it's for you, the fans. So this is your show. I want to hear what you guys think, and we will continue to work and bring you the best uh, the best dedicated Chatham Town content we probably could. So yeah, thanks very much for listening. And until next week, come on, you Robins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a yet another episode of the Robberins Report podcast with me, your host, Tom Wade. Alongside me again this week is Gloucestershire Live's John Palmer. John, how are you doing? Really good, Tom. Thank you. How are you, right? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, we must have done well last week because you're back for another swing at it. <laughs> yeah, we've lasted for two episodes, which is a good sign, I think. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, as you may see if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not and you're listening on that, on the podcast providers alongside us this week we'd like to welcome in i called him the the chantham town media maestro will boyle calls him the unsung hero of the club mr richard joyce joyce how you doing i'm good thank you tom you're, you're all good yeah i'm not too bad mate thanks not too bad good stuff not too bad thanks for coming on i really appreciate it no worries now really glad to be chatting i'm looking forward to having a chat and seeing what we can discuss about chantham town that's it that's it plenty to talk about let's be honest but uh, yeah, there is. So before we get into it, guys, I left it till last, but I want to get it out of the way this week. Not because it's a pain or anything, because I, I do love that they've decided to get involved. But uh, I just want to give a quick mention to our sponsors, Loop1977. I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on board and get, showing us your support. You can go and shop at Luke1977.com for their latest spring and summer wear. I don't know about you guys, but I put a bit, a bit of pounds on during lockdown. So uh, I actually went and did that. Unfortunately, it's not none of it's here yet, so I can't don it, as they say. But uh, yeah, thanks to you guys. Uh, I really appreciate you supporting us. It's uh, It's been absolutely brilliant. It's very much appreciated. So, guys, uh, plenty to talk, talk about, like we said. Uh, let's jump straight into it because uh, we've got to try and keep it somewhere sensible this week me and jp went on a bit last week <laughs> and also on that thanks to everybody that uh you know put put some feedback in it's always appreciated and uh, it's really it's really been good actually i can't thank you enough of how how kind everybody's been but yeah so uh let's get straight into it and to start the week i thought this was so good when i saw this i got a little bit emotional to be honest so as you may or you may not know Josh, Josh Griffiths, our number one 
right now, debatable and Flinders, because that's a great battle, but we had that conversation last week. But yeah, he's got the call for the England under-21 European Championship coming up. And I, I just got to say, it's more than deserved. Griffo, he's, there's always been questions asked. We've had the discussion, but he's going to be in with some seriously talented players. He's he's going to the under-21s under Euros. And let's be honest, guys, Joycey, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts when you saw this? I don't think you could argue that really, could you, in terms of how much he deserves it? I get a lot of emails, Tom, but that email when it came through on Monday morning was definitely a bit different to normal from um, the England setup basically saying, right, we're announcing this at 11am. No, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant for Josh. Obviously, he's been involved with the under-20s previously, um, but, you know, he is really highly rated at, at West Brom. You know, I think they gave him a three or four-year contract at the start of the season, and that's not bad for a first professional contract. I think people forget sometimes that he was playing under-18s football last season, and now he's playing week in, week out in League Two. I think he's made 40 appearances in all competitions for us and kept something like 18 clean sheets in those 40 games. So a clean sheet nearly every other game is not bad for a teenager who's playing his first year of professional football. Um, so fantastic with Josh. And also, you know, I'm very lucky to get to know him since day one. He's a lovely lad as well. So fantastic for him and his family. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, JP, what were your thoughts? Because I know, I know you, uh, you, wrote, you got on this straight away and wrote up a report for Gloucestershire Live. Yeah, I think Joycey's got to know Josh quite well. From my dealings with him, he's very mature, very level-headed lad. Um, quite lucky for Cheltenham in a way that he moved to Ledbury just before he signed for Cheltenham on loan. Obviously, he's almost local. I know we've got um, Cheltenham have got a good link with West Brom anyway, but the fact that he lives in Ledbury just down the road really has definitely played a part in him coming to Cheltenham. I think what's impressed me the most about him this season is the amount of games he's played, as Joycey said, 40 appearances in his first season of senior football. But it's the way that Yes, he has had the odd setback, but he was the hero on Saturday, really. He made a save from a one-to-one -one from Robbie Wilmot um, in the 80, sort of between 80 and 90 minutes, which sort of paved the way for Andy Williams to go and score the winner, which I know we'll talk about a bit more later on. But he played a huge part in that. He, and then he probably was disappointed with Tuesday. Not that the goals were, uh, certainly the first goal was a bit of a freak one, but he might have come away Tuesday feeling he could have done a bit better. But I think he never lets it affect him. Um, when he, whenever he has as a setback, he's come back as if nothing's happened. And I remember Jack Butland, you know, it seems like a long time ago now, 2011-12, if he did make a mistake, which he, he did make a couple of bloopers, Jack Butland, but obviously you could tell he was going to be a very, very good goalkeeper. But next game, it was back to being very assured, very calm, very confident. And I think that is the quality that I see in Josh that makes me think he can go to have on a very, go on to have a very, very good career in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I mean, you know, Joycey mentioned it there. He's, he's had 16 clean sheets in the league alone. In a league like this, to keep that many clean sheets, that's just incredible, really. And especially for a guy of his age. So, you know, all the best to him. I really do wish him all the best. Unfortunately, it does mean he'll be away for the Morecambe game a week Saturday. But, you know, I don't I don't think we could really deny him the opportunity, could we? Let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, for his career is going to be huge, really. You know, great. I suppose it's a difficult decision because obviously, you know, you, do you stay with the team that you've been helping all through the season? And of course, there's this probably a bit of a question mark now because Scott Flinders will come in again at Morecambe, and and then it's, it creates this question mark for the manager. You know, where you know if Scott Flinders was to come in and do an outstanding performance, and Josh is coming back, I think literally the, the day or two before the Tranmere game on Good Friday. You know, it, it creates that sort of question mark, really. So it is a big decision for him to go away and do it. But at the end of the day, when your country calls, especially at under-21 level, and you're going to be in the same team as Hudson-Odoi, 
Mason Greenwood, um, Smith Rowe, Tom Davis, Ben Godfrey, you know, and you're playing for League Two, Cheltenham, you've, I think you've got to go and take it. Yeah, definitely. That's um, that's a serious list of potential elite players. And that's uh, that's not a bad, you know, not a bad team to be mixing with, is it? Let's be honest. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry. What you say, Josie, there? Well, no, just saying, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it is. I think I, I stood with him actually when he was cleaning his boots after he got the call up on Monday and I was reading up the squad list to him because I don't think he'd quite seen who was in the squad entirely. And uh, I think someone walking past said, you know, that's a Premier League team, that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're basically in a Premier League team uh, going to play international games against some of the top nations. So uh, not a bad group to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I'd, I'd love to have seen his reaction. I bet it was, uh, you know, one of the moments and it, for him, he won't forget it. And it, it, it's, it's great for him. And it's obviously great for the club as well. It's, it's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, con congratulations, Josh. We wish you the best. And I um, don't know about you guys, but I'll definitely be watching out. See how he gets but, on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's see how he gets on. See if he gets his opportunity because we know he'll definitely take it. Um, quickly moving on from that. Obviously, it's uh, Thursday. We record. Duffy smoke, spoke this morning. Um, pretty much we'll get into a little bit later on what he said about Salford. There was something I found quite interesting that he really didn't like. Um, but we'll see about that later. But as we like to do, injury updates wise. So just a quick overview. I mean, me and JP were talking just before and Duffy said himself, there's no fresh injuries at all. So the squad as it is, is fit. Obviously, Lloydie's still missing with his concussion. Uh, word is it's 19 days. Um, JP, you said 19 days from the Exeter game. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's that's the because it was his second one of the season. And as Michael said, then just around about the three the three week mark. And today, I think he when he said 19 days on Thursday morning, I think he means from is that right, Josie? From when the injury was sustained? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he'd probably be looking around the, the Tranmere game, won't he? That he's potentially going to be back in and around it. So yeah. It's the right thing to do, even though he, he might feel like he can play on Saturday. They've got to take those extra precautions because he has two had two bad whacks on the head this season, hasn't he? He's a brave lad, puts it in where it hurts. And yeah, he's, it's a real shame for him because he got his chance and he was taken off at half time. But yeah, you've got to do things by the book with head injuries, you know, and it's it's been in the news a lot recently, hasn't he? You can't take risks with um with that sort of thing. So hopefully he can come back strong over the Easter weekend. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You can't take like it's the rest of your career online isn't it with you know you take you take in you take every precaution you can protect the players as, as much as it will be to miss him because i thought he did very very well until he had to come off against exeter um but yeah so quick recovery to to lloydie but one thing duffy did mention as well uh there's no nobody really close to coming back which means rags still out boily still out um joycey Big, big, big list of injuries in in terms of what those two guys, three guys, including Lloydie, bring to this team. Mm. It's going to take some replacing those guys, especially with with the run we've got coming up in the next four, three or four games. But as we get past Easter, things do start to, you know, ease off schedule wise. Um, what are your thoughts on these guys missing? Me and John have spoke about it. It must be it must be felt quite big at, at the club. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone knows over the last two and, two and a bit years that a lot of the success has been built on the formation change. Obviously, Ben Toes in the middle of the back three, but a big part of that has been Will Boyle on the left, although, of course, Jacob Greaves was there for a lot of last season. And then on the right, since he's come in, Charlie Raglan. And suddenly, 
that this defensive three that has been such a key part. You, you, you're taking out the two wide of the of the two centre backs is is huge, really. Um, I think we've been fortunate that Sean Long has come in, and now it's just almost as a, a given that he's playing as a centre back. You know, of course, we've always seen him as a right back or a right wing back. He played that one game in midfield against Harrogate, and that was seen as a big thing because he's playing in a different position. Well, now he's played as a central defender for several games, not just on the right, but also on his probably less familiar left as well and done a great job. So we've probably been very blessed that someone like Sean Long came back from his injury at the right time and also has that sort of footballing ability and brain to step into that role and do such a good job. Um, and then, you know, someone like Lewis Freestone's come in and, and, you know, he's had to be really patient this season, but he has had some great opportunities. I think, you know, John was speaking to him the other day at our press conference and, you know, he played against Man City. He played in some of the League Cup games against Peterborough. He's played in the FA Cup games against Crewe. So he's played against some top, top teams this season and done well. So, you know, great to have Lewis there. And of course, he's left-footed as well. You know, left-footed central defenders aren't the easiest thing to come by. And it's great to have Lewis in the background there. And of course, Grant Horton, who came off the bench and did really well at Cambridge, been doing really well with all the different loan spells he's had. Again, a, a first-year pro like Josh Griffiths. And who knows, he may have a chance to, to play a part potentially in the remainder of the season too. Yeah, definitely. And I think, JP, that's something you mentioned, wasn't it? Everybody now has got to, got to play a part, whoever it is. Has got is now's the time to put put forward your case. Yeah, I think to go to Exeter with with that back three changed so much. So Tozer in the middle, Freestone on the left, Long on the right, and keep a clean sheet. That's that's no mean feat against Exeter because while Salford have got the best defensive record, Exeter have, have got the best goal scoring record, haven't they? So to keep a clean sheet there with those three all performing well, and then Tuesday obviously they'll be a bit disappointed with the defensive performance, but you know. Ben Tozer hasn't made many mistakes this season. If you can call it a mistake, it was just a bit of a freak goal for the first one. And I'm sure they would have wanted to defend the long throw better for the second. But I think Freestone is is a good footballer. He's quite comfortable on the ball for, for, a, for, a, for a big, strong defender. I think he's, again, he's just starting out really. He's, he's a bit more senior experience this, before this season than Josh Griffiths did. But similar really, he's right at the start of his career. He's showing good qualities. You know, remember, Joe Roden came in, didn't he, on loan from Swansea. He, he did well, but he had a bad game against Coventry, got taken off at half-time, and now he's playing for Spurs. You know, and he, he showed some potential. You know, it's, it's difficult playing in League Two, even for even for the sort of players that are going to go on to play at the very top with that footballing ability. I think it is a, is a really steep learning curve, but I think Lewis has done well overall. And as Joycey said, he's played in some really big games and done well and held his own. So the back three is going to be different for the next few weeks at least, and, and there's no doubt that Raglan and Boyle will be missed. But I think Freestone and Long have got to step up. If needed, Horton, Barry. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to put the kiss of death on it, but I think if Tozer were to get injured as well, I think that would be a major, major blow because he is a huge part of of the way that Cheltenham plays, and he the way that he plays out from the back, captain as well. Yeah. You know, I said last week that I said last week that Circum and um, Hussey are rate as our best two players. I think Tozer is probably next in terms of importance. Potentially as important, but in terms of sort of quality, I just think Circum and Hussey stand out. But Huss, uh, but Toza, I remember during the commentary for the Man City game, they were saying that he, he looks like he could play higher. In terms of the composure that he's got and the way that he brings it out and the calmness he brings, and as Michael Duff said this morning, he digs people out when he needs to. He's got those leadership qualities. So let's hope that he can stay fit, yeah. and then the other two can step up alongside him and 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 stay as solid as they have been all season, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think we saw saw that against Exeter, didn't we? Which, speaking of, we will actually move on to talk a little bit about Exeter now. Um, Toza's ability, you could see against Exeter why he, he is the captain. You know, 
I thought there's no dig at either of them, but I thought there was opportunities where Long looked a little bit shaky to start the game. Maybe you know, we spoke about how good Exeter were going forward with Bowman and Kay. I thought maybe that was something there. But he soon sorted that out. Toes had obviously had a word. You could see it. Obviously, you guys can see it better. I follow, we see it sort of. But, you know, you get to just see as much as you can. You can see clearly he was directing these guys, pulling them as a unit and telling them. And just coach, it's a bit of coaching as well. On-field coaching. It's very clear why he is the captain. He did it with Freestone when he, he unfortunately, well, nearly, I'd say mistake, nearly cost town. But a great save from Griffiths, as you mentioned, from, uh, from Wilmot. So you could definitely see Toza's quality and why he is the captain. And I'd like to see if he could play forward. But I think right now he has to stay where he is because that's where he is. So the heart, I speak about Connor Thomas being the engine. Ben Toza's the heart of this team for me. But but yeah, I don't know about you guys. So we'll talk a little bit in about the Exeter game. And JP, me and you spoke about it. We said it was going to be tight. We said it was going to be edgy. It was... It, they don't give up many goals, but they do score goals. We've got an excellent away away record. I don't think we really the build up we gave. I don't think it really disappointed, did it? To be fair, no, it was tight, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Toza made a brilliant block from Bowman, didn't he, in the first half? That was one of the key moments of the game. And then the Wilmot chance we've already spoken about. Alfie May nearly scored straight away at the other end, didn't he? Straight after that save from Griffiths, and then. I think Michael Duff said he probably would have settled for a point after 85 minutes. But with the toes long throw, you know, it's probably a bit of a bonus really to score from a toes long throw without Boyle on the pitch. I remember discussing it with with both Michael Duff and Andy Williams after the game and Joycey was there as well. But good to get a set piece from a long throw into the net without without the main man Boyle who's been getting on the end of so many of them this season. But I think it wasn't a smash and grab job because it wasn't, um, it's not like Exeter or all over Cheltenham, but they're a very good team. And Cheltenham did have to battle to keep them out. I think it, you know, it's a really, really big result. That felt it felt like a big result. I know Tuesday didn't go to plan, but to go to Exeter and win, to stay top, um, because with as the game went into injury time, obviously with the, the way the, the other results were going, I think Cheltenham were third. It's a big, it was a big, big achievement to go there and win with the players missing that they had with Lloyd going off at half time. And I was really pleased for Andy Williams as well because he's been he's been getting a bit of stick this season at times, but. He's such a positive influence around the place and he's so vocal on the sidelines, but he's not sitting there sulking, thinking that he should be in the team ahead of, of Sam Smith. He's encouraging Sam Smith. He's, he's, he's non-stop really, Joyce, isn't he, on the touchline? You, you can hear his voice probably more than anyone's other than Michael Duff and really pleased for him to get that goal. Although some players were, were giving him a bit of stick trying to take it off him, I think it was his goal. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was brilliant for Willow. Um, for for me, that game was almost like an expect. You know, going into the 90th minute, nil nil, you start to think, you know, a nil nil away so isn't a bad result. Very good team, you know, right, always right up there. Good quality, and you're away from home. You always take a point away from home, and then suddenly, ball gets launched in the box. Andy Williams nods it or glances it in, and it's almost like it was a bonus two points suddenly. So you know, it was a real. You know, I, I was buzzing coming away from that game because it. I think if you'd come away with a nil-niller, you would have gone off, you know, fair enough. But coming away with three points was fantastic. Um, and like like John said, delighted for Willow, who is a lovely chap and um, has worked hard this season. And of course, hasn't had as many opportunities recently, but when he has had them, he's, he's done everything he can to try and make an impact. Yeah, he has. And uh, I was very pleased for him. I thought it was, it was hard to tell. Obviously, 
I just, the, the throw come in and all I knew, next thing I knew, the ball was in the back of the net. Who it came off, who got it there, I really didn't know. Then you see Williams, you know, you see Andy Williams rolling away, celebrating. And I was like, wow, that, yeah, he deserved that. He really did. And people forget, I said to JP after the game, people forget that he is our top scorer. And they say, oh, he's our top scorer for a reason because we haven't got anybody else this time. Ever. Absolute garbage. It's absolute garbage, in my opinion, because he is he is a good player. He's had a solid career for a reason. He's not had opportunities because you look at what Sam's been doing. You look at what Alfie's been doing. You know, how can you replace those guys? You can't because it's, you're almost setting yourself up for, for not saying failure, but for something that could possibly go sideways. So I think for him to come in and take his chance, especially off the bench as well, you know, there's still other guys in this squad that could get on the bench. You know, Alex, Adai, Vasilev, Indy Vasilev. There's still other guys that could come in front of him, but he sat there waited his turn, Duffy's gave his turn, and he's he's repaid Duffy in that sense. So I was very, very pleased that, that Williams got the goal. And I think now hopefully we can just put that all to bed. All, all the all the things that we've seen can just be put to bed. And let's just get behind them because we don't need that sort of thing. We need to get behind the get behind the guys, you know. And I think it's so big for him. It's so big for the club because once again it's putting pressure on Duffy to make a decision. It's not so easy that guys are walking into the team like people think they might. So I, yeah, I'm very happy for Williams. And I did actually say that uh, I bet there was nobody else out there happier for him than JP when he scored that goal. I just think if it, in January, for example, if, if Andy Williams hadn't signed in the summer and we heard that Andy Williams was coming in in January, everyone would have been absolutely loving that because you look mm. at the career he's had, um, and I know he's, he's, you know, he's, he's into his mid thirties now, towards his mid thirties. But we've got there's a range of players, isn't there? There's Sam Smith trying to prove himself, young lad. George Lloyd, he's having a bit of a breakthrough season, as Michael Duff put it. He's not got a huge amount of experience. I know he's been he's been around the senior setup for a while now, but he's still starting out learning his game. Indiana Vasiev, you mentioned, he's he had one loan spell, and you know it's his. Early, very early on in his career. Alex Arda is very young in terms of Football League experience. Alfie May has been around a little bit longer, but he still, you know, spent a lot of his career in non-league. I'll say, I'll say he's not a vastly experienced Football League player. So to have, especially with Ruben Reed going, to have Andy Williams in there with the knowledge, his goal scoring record's pretty good. Eight goals isn't bad, considering the amount of games he's played. Look, look at his career, he's scored some important goals. He's had promotions. He's, he's, he's a really good person to have around. Whether he's starting games or coming on, He's not going to disrupt anything, and I think he's a exactly the type of character that you want. And there's a few, there's quite a few of those at the moment at Cheltenham. You know that Michael Duff's got at his disposal. So yeah, I was very pleased for him. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of characters in this squad. Joycey, obviously, you 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 know that being close to the guys, there's there's a character. Everybody's got their own personality and character that they bring to it, and that's what for me from the outside looking in seems to have shaped this team. That's that's almost culture. I don't like really using the word culture because it's, it's not a culture. It's, it's, a, it's what you do for the club. You know, you, every play, every player goes and gives a hundred percent. But I think there is a part of that where every, every individual brings something different and it just molds together. I think out of all the different football squads I've worked with literally over the last sort of like probably seven, eight, nine years, this is up there with one of the best, if not the best squad, I'd have to say. Um, you literally can walk into 
um, any room with them or be anywhere with them and literally you can have a long conversation and, and have a genuine chat with any single one of them whether it's someone who plays every single minute every week and is a star man like Alfie May scoring goals against Man City or whether it's a, a young lad like a Tom Chamberlain or a, or a Grant Horton or a Max Harris you can sit there and just talk to them and everyone gets on and it's, it's just so easy to talk to you know last year we had a very good group as well but even then I'd say there's probably you know, one, maybe two players who perhaps you didn't feel as comfortable talking to or who you weren't interested in having a chat with you. Whereas in this current group, everyone wants to have a chat. Everyone's happy to see you. And that can only mean one thing, really, which is that they're together. And, you know, adding the quality they've got as well, you can see why we're near the top of the league or we are top of the league um, because we've got that sort of character and the quality as well. So it's a winning combination. And as it's proven to be so far this season, I just hope for the sake of the fact they're all a great bunch of lads that they make that count come the end of the season and get rewarded for it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And talking account, you know, we made our chance count against Exeter. And I think we could all agree that that was two points gained, not because, of, not because the goal comes so late, but it's a, it's a result that you wouldn't really have said is a given a, a three points. I said it was going to be a hard battle. I did say, although I will claim this, I did say we'd go there and get a result. So I'm so happy about that. And uh, <laughs> I did tweet out Saturday morning. I seen a lot of people not even very positive, but I was. I was very positive. I kept it positive on the pod. That's what we like to do. Not because I'm I'm told to, not because or anything like that, because it's how I feel. I, I've got a certain feeling with this team. They've always they've got they've got that almost got that ability that you know they've got a goal in them, they've got the fight in them. And I think to round off the Exeter, the Exeter game, I think we could all agree, huge win. It capitalised on, you know, a couple of the teams around us dropping points. John, you mentioned that at one point we were down to third, and that an ex, you know, an Exeter goal would have seen us looking up now, really, wouldn't it? Especially after the game we've unfortunately got to speak about in a second. But yeah, um, over overall, I thought we played very well, kept out a very very good Exeter team, and it's a huge three points to towards our target. Yeah, first win there since 2012 as well. So 2012-13 season, I think it was. So, yeah, it's been a, long, yeah. Been, been a long wait, eight years or so for, for for the last win there. So not easy. And, yeah, massive result. Yeah, massive. I agree. I agree. So swiftly moving on to the one that I re don't really want to talk about. But, hey, we take the rough with the smooth, don't we? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tuesday night saw town, I don't know how to put this, Go up against the Barrow team that I said, is it meant? Is it more of a mental battle on Tuesday than it is a physical battle on the pitch? No disrespect to Barrow saying they weren't turned up and have a game. And that, let's be honest, they really did. They did turn up, have a game. Now, the question I've got is, is this Barrow hoodoo a thing? Because to me, it really feels like they're just one of them teams. And every team no matter what league you're in, has got a team that they always seem to just, I wouldn't say fail against, but just just don't know how to work out. Maybe that's testament to Barrow. Maybe it's, I don't know what else it could possibly be, but credit to Barrow. So Town, as you know, lost, unfortunately lost 2-0. Another opportunity where I felt that a win would have been so big here, not just for the fact to get the, get the away defeat off our back but more so you know we're trying to achieve promotion if you're going to do it a home win against Barrow on a Tuesday night I'm not saying it's a given 
but you you'd like you'd have fancied us in that. I fancied us in that. Unfortunately, it turns out we didn't get the job done. Um, yeah, Joycey, what what did you make of this one, mate? Because for me, it was a tough watch, and I must be honest, I take notes every game, and it says a lot when I stop taking notes at halftime. At just well, about four minutes after halftime. I think um, we all know how important the first goal in games is. And I think in no season ever before um, have I ever realised how important the first goal is in this season. Um, I, I think that's because of the impact of the fact that there's no crowds in the stadium and, and so on and the way in which games have changed and, and sort of the mood of games. And so often we score first. And I know when we score first that we're going to get something from the game. Even if it's just a draw, I know that it's very rare that a team's going to come back and score two goals against us. And so on, on Tuesday, when Barrow go 2-0 up, one nil up, sorry, after two minutes with a free goal. Um, you know, it, Barrow, the position they're in, brilliant. For them, that's perfect. They've come all the way down to Gloucestershire, one nil up within two minutes, so they just banked up. And for the rest of the first half, you know, we attacked, we attacked, I think we hit the woodwork. Uh, I think we had about two or three goals, potential goals cleared off the line. Um, we threw everything at them. And then half-time probably killed us, really, because half-time gave... Someone like Rob Kelly, who's done an incredibly good job so far. I think he's had something like six wins out of his nine games in caretaker charge over the two spells this season. Gave someone like him the opportunity to get the group in, the Barrow group in at half time, and to perhaps have a look at how they could improve in terms of how they were banking up and how, what they were doing out of possession. Because they probably appreciated and realised that we were going to be in possession for most of the second half as well. And, you know, unfortunately, that brilliant attacking force we had towards the end of the first half where we couldn't get a goal couldn't be repeated in the second half. And, you have to face it, if we had managed to do what we had done at the end of the first half in the second half, we would have definitely scored because there's no way Barrow could have held off for 45 minutes with that sort of sort of, sort of of monsoon of attacking. Um, but, you know, Barrow, you know, like I said, they did a, a job over us at their place uh, just before Christmas. And I think you have to realise as well, you know, they had a really good January. You know, they brought in Ollie Banks, really good midfielder from Tranmere. Uh, Tom Davis came in on loan from Bristol Rovers. That's a really good recruit. Jamie Devitt, who came off the bench. The other night, another player who's been excellent in League Two for Carlisle and Newport over the years um, and obviously got himself a, a move to Blackpool. So this Barrow team isn't bad. And as soon as you give them that one goal advantage, they banked in, made it difficult. And unfortunately, we just couldn't break them down. Um, you know, it, frustrating because you would think, look at the league table, that you should beat Barrow. But of course, League Two football, unfortunately, doesn't work like that. It's, it's absolutely relentless. And even with Southend, we saw the other week, yes, we beat them 1-0, but they were a significantly better team than the one we watched at their place earlier in the season. Yeah, definitely. It was. I couldn't agree more. It was definitely going to be a tight, a tough game. They weren't just going to come out, come down here and, and sit there and roll over. Um, yeah, JP, you agree? Agree? That's a fair assessment. I feel. I mean, I I, I messaged you and said, I think it was a half time. I said, can we pick the ball up and run it in? Because I thought at that point, is that the only way we're going to score? We had so many opportunities. It just. It felt. It felt to me as if that period of the game summed up the whole game as in it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it was almost becoming comical uh, just before half-time about how the ball was staying out of the net. I mean, there was the one from, I think, Hussey's shot might have touched Sam Smith's head, hit the inside of the post. You had the Sam Smith shot that he was, unfortunately, he was completely off balance, tried to put it in on his left foot. Maybe, you know, if he, if he was if he was right-footed, it would probably have been an easy goal, but he was, unfortunately, had to try and get it onto his left foot. He was off balance, didn't get enough power behind it, and it was cleared off the line. Uh, there was another one cleared off the line, wasn't there? It was just, it was, it was comical. But you have got to give Barrison credit for the way they, they somehow kept the ball out of the net. I thought Jason Taylor, um, obviously former Cheltenham, did okay in the centre of midfield. But I didn't think really, I didn't think the midfield. I didn't agree with some. I've seen some places that the midfield was a major problem on 
Tuesday. I don't think it was the midfield's problem. I think it was just unlucky with the chances because chances were created and then probably easily avoidable goals or, you know, didn't, as Michael might have put it, didn't make them work hard enough for the goals. One of them was a, a cross from the right from 20, 25 yards that, you know, very, very unusual sort of goal that it crept in the far post. And then the second one, I can't remember Cheltenham conceding from long throws too many times this season. Obviously, they spend a lot of time working on trying to score from them. can't remember them conceding many. Um, I didn't think it was um, a case of Barrow dominating the middle of the pitch. Um, and I don't think Cheltenham's midfield is that much of an issue. Um, just just for some reason, the ball wouldn't go into the net. There were chance after chance being created in the first half. There was one period where Hussey was absolutely on fire. I'd say 20, 25 minutes until half time, they couldn't get anywhere near him. But again, somehow, it, despite him having one hit, hit the post, balls into the box, it just wouldn't go in. So just got to put it down to, wouldn't say it was um, as bad a performance all round as the game at Barrow. But it, the, the thing that Michael Duff will be disappointed with is the way they, as Joycey said, Barrow set up in the second half to frustrate and the Cheltenham ran out of ideas. And the second half was really frustrating because you, you, you never really felt a comeback was on the cards in the second half. Yeah, I agree. And um, I said on Twitter, you know, that's perfect for them. They they come straight out, straight out after half time, instantly five at the back. And I mean, at times, I don't know if you guys noticed it. It was very, very clear to me. At times, there were nine men behind the ball, nine men in their own half, seven behind the ball. I mean, mm. you could be one of the best teams in the league, which I think we are, obviously. But you could be, I don't know, so prolific as a team. That's hard to break down. That's at any level. A team goes five at the back, seven behind the ball, sitting two, two centre of their midfielders in, in, in the centre defence midfield role. And then they get nine, nine in their own half. And they're just thinking, right, we're launching at the top every time. Lone man, try and get a knockdown, try and bring it down. Then we'll counter, which I thought they did a good job at, to be honest. You know, that's hard to beat. And I think there was just no way. It just wasn't meant to be, in my opinion. It's just... Yeah, disappointing, very disappointing. But when you play in a team like Barrow that came, give a good fight and, and, like I said, go that defensive from straight from the off and you're chasing the game, unfortunately, the goal, the second goal was just was very disappointing. I just, I'm not going to blame Griffo. I'm not going to blame Loggy. It's just one of them things. Let, let's put it behind us, move on and, you know, reset. And I think this is a great, great, great time to move on from that one now. So looking ahead to this weekend, town take on. I was going to say this before. Before, so we've had two winners of the Papa John's Trophy this year, and this confused me. It's not because I'm ignorant and I don't look at it and I don't think it's important. It's the fact of I was going to say the newly crowned Papa John's Trophy winners, but then Sunderland next day go and win it. So who's who's the current title holders? Sunderland in my opinion, but whatever, neither here or there. So uh, Town take on a Salford team who are pretty much the opposite of Cheltenham. I was doing some digging earlier, looking at some facts and figures, and I like my stats. But if you take Cheltenham's away form and put it to home form, and then you take Salford's home form, put it to away form, you could insert that Spider-Man meme right here where he's pointing at himself, Okay. Salford are that good, are as good as Cheltenham are away, but yet on the road, on the road, they're not, they're not that great. They've lost. I think they've they've drawn two, two of their last five. 
I haven't won in the last five, I believe is correct. I will fact check that in a second. But what are your what are your thoughts, John, heading into this one? Salford on a high, coming in off that trophy win. I'm not going to say they've uh, they've not lived up to their reputation at this league of walking it and stuff, because I think that's a very dodgy t- subject to touch on. But um, they've had it tough this year. They sit down in ninth. That's the confidence they need, do you think? Because they're still well within a shout of getting in the playoffs and, and making their own push for League One. What, what are your thoughts heading into this one? I think if ever Joyce's point about the first goal being important is going to come into play, it's going to be Saturday because of their defensive records. If you look at their recent results, and I had a little look through this morning before the press conference, they obviously were very tight in the, the trophy final, but they managed to get the win. But they are 1-0, 0-0, don't concede many goals. Um, obviously held Cheltenham to a nil-nil at at Moore Lane when Cheltenham were all over them really um, in December so that that should have been a comfortable win but they they managed to find a way to get a point they've got Ashley Easton at the back who's former Cheltenham you know enjoyed watching him play on loan early in his career he he looked like he was going to go on to have a good career came to Cheltenham in 2009-10 and again in 2010-11 and has gone on to play at a a good level so he's still going I think he's I think he's their captain well, certainly has captained them, but yeah, they're, they're. I suppose you could you can compare them a little bit to Mansfield in that the players they've got in the squad probably should be higher in the league than they are. But they've had a change of manager. Um, Richie Wellens is showing signs of, of maybe getting it together. He's got a bit of silverware, even if they had to um, su- surrender the crown twenty four hours later after winning it. But yeah, so they were last year's champions for a day this year. It's a very bizarre situation, isn't it? And that's only could happen in COVID times, really, couldn't it? That sort of thing, but. Yeah, that they will. I think everyone will probably know they will get promoted at some point. Michael Duff said quite a few times he expects them to do it this year. They don't do it this year. Once again, they'll be fancied to be up there next year, won't they? Because of the investment they've got, the hullabaloo around the club with the owners and everything like that. So let's just hope Gary Neville's as complimentary after the Saturday's game as he was after the game up at their place. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And I did fact check, fact, uh, fact check that while we were talking. They have actually two draws and three defeats in the last five five away games. They lost 1-0 at Crawley, drew 0-0 with Southend, lost 2-1 to Morecambe, 2-1 to Oldham, and 0-0 with not uh, Newport County. So, you know, you look at that and you think, there is an opportunity here. They don't, they don't score many, they, but they don't concede many. Technically, we come in as the better team when you look at it in terms of the run we've been on where we sit in the league. Uh, but I don't think it's as transparent as that. And I think you're, damn, I think you're, you're bang on right where you say you've got to be a bit cautious heading into this one. Joycey, what are your thoughts heading into this? Are we are we looking at a, another tight game or are we looking at a, just another COVID sort of game? I'd imagine another tight game, to be honest. You know, Salford are the sort of team who need that early confidence. We went to Mansfield away the other, the other week. Yes, Mansfield are having a, another below par season, but... They're the sort of team where if their players with the quality they've got have uh, encouraged from a good start or perhaps from a good reaction to something. So, for example, Mansfield made a good start against us and was, were on top for, for a lot of the first half and then we came back into it. Then when we went one up at Mansfield, they got a chance literally within two minutes and managed to equalise and that spurred them back on to thinking, wait a minute, we can get a result here. I think, you know, a team like, oh, no, I'm not talking about Salford, but a team like Mansfield, for example, if you really sort of get after them and, and their players feel like they haven't got a chance, I think they will. There's an element of them giving up. 
Whereas for Salford, it's a little bit different in the sense that they still have a huge sniff of getting into the promotion places and they've now got the trophy out of the way, so they haven't got to worry about that anymore. But, you know, you look at their squad and, you know, some really good individual players and they're players who played much higher levels. You know, Jason Lowe in midfield. Um, I don't think he's been playing much, maybe because of injuries, but someone like Darren Gibson obviously was at Man United. But, you know, their front line, you've got Tom Elliott, Ian Henderson, Ashley Hunter, Bruno Andrade, of course, has had a huge amount of success with Lincoln over the last sort of three or four years. You know, they both some really talented players. The, the, the question for Richie Wellens is always how you put them together and make them work. You know, it's all very well having the big names, but you've got to put them together and make them sure they, they combine together and work. Um, so they, they are the sort of team who can turn it on on Saturday. And, of course, team like Cheltenham are there to be shot down. You go into the top of the table, you want to make a point. Win away at Cheltenham, the league leaders like Barrow did on, on Saturday, and it sends sort of reverberations around the division. Other teams see that. They see that it's, you can do it, but also they sort of praise you because, they, you know, what a great result that would be. So Cheltenham has to be well aware of that, but I'm, I'm fully anticipating a, a tight game. Um, it was very... It was, it was well. It was being nil-nil draw. It was tight up there, but yet we were so dominant, and we had some great chances. And I think we hit the woodwork twice that day. So, I think it's going to be a tight one, um, edgy seat stuff. But it should be a, a good game, really, given the quality that both teams have on show in their squads. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And um, I don't think one win in the last last six games justifies, you know, who who are turning up on Saturday. Because, like you say, they got they got some great players. You, you look at like their scoring breakdown, like you say, Ian Henderson, he scored 11 goals in the league this year. James Wilson, seven. Ashley Hunter, six. And you've got the old guy, Luke Burgess, chipping, chipping in with three. So they have got goals in their team. It's just getting it out of them. And like you say, Richie Wellens, he's, he's got to find that way. And then Duffy's obviously got to find a way to counter counter that. I think it'll be a very, very interesting battle. And I don't, I don't think the fact that we are actually unbeaten under, under them one game cancelled due to the cancellation of the season. I don't think that'll come into it. There's not really much you could go off when you look back at that. I like to look back at past games and like the recent, oh, let's say over a two-year period, but you can't really do that with this game. So it's, it really is heading into it. I wouldn't say blind because you know what you're getting in Salford and you know what you're getting in us. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I'd like to think we'd get a result. I'm not saying it's a given either, but I'd like to say it's a result. And I don't say that because I'm saying it every game. Then when it comes off, I look great. But when it doesn't, you know, I've got to come on here and bow my head in a bit of shame. But I think we I think we can I think we can get a result. And yeah, they're one of them teams that I, I look out for quite a bit because it's, they're an interesting team, aren't they? They're new to the football league. I, I like to see how new teams take to the football league. I don't think they've particularly took badly. It's just Maybe it's been a bit tougher than they expected, but we know we know that because we've been here multiple multiple times. We know how difficult it is it is to get get out of this league, and you know that probably says a lot of how. Because the top, you know, top three is probably the hardest to break into. So I think we've got to be on our game. I I'd like to think that you guys feel that we can get a result. I don't I don't think we're going to sit here and go, wow, you know, it's Salford. We're up against it. We've, we're going to be up against it. Well, don't, will we get a result? Oh, I don't know if we will. I hope you guys are as confident as I am. I'd like to think you are, like I said. So with that, I'm going to ask you both now my favourite part, but I don't like it when I get asked, so I can feel how you feel right now. I'm going to ask you to see how you think this one plays out, JP. 
I think I went for a draw exit didn't I and uh, obviously ended up ended up with a good result I'm gonna I'm gonna go for one nil win for this one I think I can see it being decided by either another set piece or maybe a Connor Thomas penalty I think it'll be tight um, I think I just had a look at the last three games Ashley Easton has played have finished nil nil so I think I think one nil Cheltenham we're gonna go I don't want to be accused of copying, but I think it'll also be a 1-0 to Cheltenham as well. <laughs> I can see someone like your Sam Smith or something popping up with a goal. I think it will be tight. Um, it's going to be a, a tough old afternoon, but you know, I'm, I'm also expecting a reaction from Cheltenham. You know, always reacted quite well whenever things have gone wrong, which has been very rare this season. And I think after Tuesday, a reaction will be needed and hopefully it will come in the form of a, a Sam Smith winner, just to make my prediction correct. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to see Sam score again. It will be. I'm, I'm obviously going to go with that. I'm going to go. I was actually going to go. I'm not saying this, as we said. I was actually going to go 1-0 because <laughs> <laughs> they don't score. They don't concede many. They don't score many. We don't really, you know, we don't concede that. We don't actually concede that many goals at home. I didn't I didn't realise until today how good we are in terms of not conceding goals at home. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 win town. I think the goal scorers will be... May and Circum. May and Circum, I think Henderson scores for them. Uh, you know, don't don't obviously hold me on that one. I am going for two in a row. I'm, I'm going for two in a row in a week. So there you go. But one interesting thing that stood out to me, guys, and I mentioned it earlier about Josh uh, Josh Griffiths, and we've kept 16 clean sheets in, in League Two. How many do you think Salford have kept? 15? Close. Yeah, I'd go pretty close to that. Yeah, Haladki's quite a good goalkeeper as well. Or are they just ahead of Cheltenham? Because I, I know they, their first choice goalkeeper is just behind Josh, but maybe they've had two keepers. So maybe, are they 17? 16. Exactly the same. Same as Cheltenham, yeah. Yeah, but they've played one game less than us. Mm. So it's yeah, pretty impressive. Goal, pretty impressive record, isn't it? Yeah. So I think 1 0 probably justify it. You can see from that, it's yeah. going to be a tight game, isn't it? I mistakenly said this morning that they'd never been to Warden Road before, but they have been to play Gloucester City in 2017. So um, they have been to Cheltenham before, but they never played against Cheltenham Town here before. So, And obviously the only person who's ever scored in the Cheltenham Salford game is uh, Ryan Broom so far. <laughs> he got both up there last season, didn't he? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's just not much there. You can't really go back and look, look at much no. there, can you? But yes, so uh, obviously predictions in, see how we give how we think the game's going to go out and how it's going to be played. It's going to be tight. It's going to be edgy. All kind of confident. You guys going with one nil, me with two one. We'll keep a track on that one. See how that one plays out. But with that, I think we'll push on now because last week, me and John, you know, we got a bit bit carried away, didn't we? To be fair, yeah, about six hours on it last week. <laughs> yeah, I think by the time it was funny because we started at six o'clock in the evening and we didn't finish till about what nine, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit that. And it, it obviously it's harder for the listeners, so I want to keep everybody happy. So, I'll put out some uh, some questions this week. Not many responses because I'm thinking, well, there's no point asking you because you won't get there for about two hours' time. But we got there a bit quicker than we did last week. So, thanks to you guys that have uh, put some in. So, a good guy, a good, a good friend of mine, Joe DeSol, asks, 
What is George Lloyd's best position? And I'll throw that to Lloydie. I, I, I think for me, George Lloyd um, obviously has been on the list as a striker. He calls you Lloydie. Um, <laughs> very similar. I've never been compared to George Lloyd, but I'll take it. I'll take it if, if, if he's been with him. Um, but um, obviously, he's down as a striker. But for me, I think Lloydie, with his pure work rate, his quality, and for um, a massive one is his aerial ability. Um, I would have him down as anyone who can play across anywhere of the front three positions. I think even if you were to play, for example, a 4-3-3, I think he could play anywhere in those front three areas. Um, or, of course, if he were to play a 3-4-3, again, any of those, those front three areas. Um, aerial ability, I think, is massive because, of course, so many uh, diagonal balls or goal kicks from the keeper, um, they tend to go out wide and they tend to be sort of played out wide so that the person can win it in the air and then head it back inside maybe for an underlapping fullback or, or an underlapping centre-back, obviously, with our wide centre-backs or the wing-backs or even the strikers in the channel. So I think because he's got that aerial ability, I think he's someone who could play out wide. Um, I think George is well aware that he'd love to get more goals. But what I love about George is just his his work rate is fantastic. You know, if he's going to start the game, he will run his heart out and he will press and he will make himself a nuisance and he'll put his head where it hurts, as he did once again at Exeter. And again, if he's coming off the bench and let's say we're one the up, with 20 minutes to go, great, because I just know for a fact that he's going to be super busy. And, you know, if you have, for example, him and Alfie up front together, you just know that they're going to be covering so much ground out of possession, just trying to do everything they can to defend from the front. That's what I love about George Lloyd, um, just that that work rate he's got, his aerial ability. And, you know, hopefully the goals do come because um, he has scored some really important goals for us, whether that was Lincoln City away two years ago, whether that was the, the extra time goal against Crew in the FA Cup, which proved to be so crucial. So hopefully more goals come to his game. But I think anywhere across those front three positions for George Lloyd is, is the one, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you when you say about his pace. You imagine him, if you could somehow get to work, obviously Duffy would have to switch the way he, he sets up. But you imagine a front three of Lloyd, Smith and May. The pace, the pace would be absolutely unbelievable. And we saw it against Exeter, actually. I forgot to mention it. One, one thing that impressed me with Lloydie was his work rate, as you mentioned, and his pace. He's always on the shoulder. He's always trying to get in behind. And I thought he played really, really well. And that's why I, I was very disappointed when he had to come off. I thought he had a great game. And, you know, obviously Alfie come on to have his chance and he saw a good effort saved. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I personally put him out wide as well. I really would because of that pace. But I think to get him in anywhere other than up front, it turns on Duffy to change the formation, which I don't think he really will, unless it's an in-game sort of sort of change. I don't think he'll do it straight from the outset. Uh, mm. JP, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, my thoughts. We, we, me and Joyce actually had a chat about this. I think at one of the recent games about Lloydie potentially, um, you know, being able to play in several different positions across the front three, but. I think he, he reminds me a little bit. There's things, there's things about his game that remind me of Neil Grayson about the way that he played. He he wasn't the biggest, but he was very good in the air. So Michael Duff would always refer to Williams and Smith as a nine, and he'd always obviously refer to the likes of May and Adai as somebody that wanted to play off one of those focal points. You know, you're never going to have Adai or May probably as his centre forward. You, they need somebody to play off. But Lloyd's a bit of both, really. He's he's not the biggest, but he's very good in the air. He's unbelievably strong for his size. He will never give up any lost cause. He gets a lot of bangs on the head. He tries to get up. I mean, after his bang on the head against Exeter, he went up and won another great header minutes later before I thought before I think he realised he needed to probably come off at half time and take the right precautions. But he, he's he's unbelievably brave. And 
the one thing that he does need to add to his game, as we've spoken about many times, is goals. Grayson was a goal scorer as well. But if he can add that to his game, there'll be teams looking at him because of all the other stuff. He's very good at everything else um, and he's a good all-rounder. So he can do a job in behind the front two. He can definitely do a job out wide. At the moment, as you said, Tom, he's not he's not going to play wing back. I've re- although he, pr- he probably could do a job at right wing back. I can't, I can't see him starting at <laughs> right wing back. I can't really see him playing in centre midfield at the moment. So it's like he, he's he's got to just just one to go in, you know, off his backside deflection or something when he's back from his from his latest uh, concussion, and that's the only thing missing. Everything else this season, and I said this to Joycey on a chat before the game against Exeter that we did by the pitch. He looks ready to play League Two football now. You know, he's not a young kid anymore. He looks capable of handling all the challenges faced at him. Just needs to start putting the ball in the net. But he, he's he's justified his selection um, regularly this season at times. And I'm sure he's got a big part to play still in the running once he gets himself back back in the team. Yeah, George, um, it's an interesting one. I was chatting. I know John knows this because uh, I quite often chat to Scott Bartlett, who's a manager down at West Supermare, and he gets a lot of players in on loan from Exeter. And Exeter have got this policy of of almost giving their players who come through their academy into the, the first team squad almost not quite three year contract straight away, but look at over the course of three years. So in that first year, they want to see them sort of look to see if they can compete and prove themselves to be involved in the first team group. Second year, they'll send them out on loans. So they'll send them out to places like West Mayor, like a Ollie Watkins did, or to a Tiverton, or to a Dorchester, or to a Taunton Town, or to a Truro City. And in the third year, that's when they say, right, now you've got to try and get into the team. And it's no surprise when we went down to Exeter on Saturday, you know, all the all the players they had in their squad, whether it was Alex Hartridge, Matt Jay, who's been stunning for them this season, who's now 25 and finally at the age of 25 is really sort of making a huge impact at Exeter. Um, all the players they've got in their team who have come through their youth system, they've just nurtured them and nurtured them and nurtured them and given them another year's contract and given them a little bit of belief. And even people like Ben Seymour, who was on the bench again, you know, I, I remember him going on loan to Gloucester City about four or five years ago and they're still holding on to him and still just developing him. And yes, that's their model, and perhaps they may have the financial backing to do that. But, you know, in, in, in George Lloyd, you're seeing that, like John says, now he's 21 years old. Now he's looking more and more like a lead to footballer instead of just a kid who was just brought on to get in minutes to see maybe he's a bit of a hoper. But, you know, not no, that's a real word. Um, but, you know, they developed him now. He's been in the first team environment, and hopefully that means that he's going to be developed even more. And then, you know, he's been given an opportunity then, instead of just being brought in, given a first year pro contract let's say at the age of 18 and at 19 decided, oh, no, you're not for us. I'm not sure many players are going to be League Two quality who come for a youth system of a League Two club within a year. So it's fantastic that George has had three years at first team level and he's proven that he can contribute and compete. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's that it's that maturity, isn't it? It's all about maturity. And, you know, doing things like that, players go into places like Western, as you mentioned, it's all about maturing him. And I think he is, I agree with what you both say, he's starting to show that he's going to be such a good player that could bring could bring a lot to give options at the top, couldn't he? You know, and that, he just adds that. And I mentioned earlier about Andy Williams. You know, I mentioned the fact that you got you got Vass in there, you got Vass Indy in there, you got Adai in there. And no offence to him, I, I didn't even mention Lloyd. Not because I didn't, I just completely, you know, you just completely forget. You just completely forget that, Actually, he is a striker. He is going to be in that competition as well. And right now, I think he's putting forward his case to just to say to Duffy, look, if Alfie's not feeling it or Sam's not feeling it, put me in. I'm ready. And 
yeah, he's really doing that. And I hope when he comes back, you know, he picks up sort of where he, where he left off and, and continues to be that player that progresses into a solid, solid, solid option at top for town. Look at Ollie Watkins now. He's got a yeah. England squad there, hasn't he? So, you know, yeah. Joycey rightly praising Exeter. Crew get a lot of credit for the way they do it, but Exeter are a good model as well. Hopefully Charlton can start bringing a few lads through like Grant Horton and some of the other lads from the youth setup, and, you know, hopefully one day sell a couple on for decent money. Like that Ollie Watkins yeah. money is going to keep them going for years, isn't it? So. Mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be feeding off that. And fair play to Ollie Watkins. He's, you know, he's obviously worked hard from where he's come from to where he is now. That's just an incredible, incredible story. So fair play to him. Much deserved. So we had one more question in and I actually wanted, I was going to save this one probably for the end of the season because it's, it, it's not, it's more of a debate than it is a question. It's one of them that deserves a lot of time, probably the whole hour to talk about. So I'm going to actually change it a little bit, but thanks to, uh, to at Garfoyt14 on uh, Instagram. Obviously, Gavin, we all know Gavin. He asks, best all-time all Cheltenham teams and a brief explanation as to why for each player. Um, I don't think we've got enough time for that one. I think <laughs> that one deserves the uh, the proper treatment. So we will, I promise you now, from me, we will hit that one. We will do that one eventually down the road sometime. So... What I thought we could do is just doesn't have to be the best or the all time. Just pick one of. I was going to ask you guys pick one of your favourite Cheltenham teams, and uh, and why it was. So, Joycey, straight to you. Okay. Well, obviously, I've only been at the club for a few years, so I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> really like that's why. Joycey, you still got the knowledge. Uh, well, I'm, I'm probably going to have to be a little bit um, biased and referred, but well, I'm not being biased at all here. I'm referring to a team that I'm sure many people would say. And, but the reason I'm being biased is because it involves someone, obviously, I've, who I've worked with and I know quite well. And that's obviously the, the John Finnegan team uh, that got promoted so for the first time into what was League One or back then Division Two. Um, I think, obviously, you had players who really kicked on in that team. So people like your Martin Devaney's who went on to obviously have a very good career. But you also had players in that team as well who had been a part of a lot of Chapman's success. And, and perhaps that was their best day or, or best days in terms of the club, in terms of getting up into the third tier. So obviously, people like Steve Book, um, obviously, obviously, Russell Milton was around that group as well at that point. Uh, Mark Yates, people like that, um, and then obviously uh, Finners came into that group a few months before coming in from Lincoln, taking advantage of the ITV digital crash, and of course went on to play 200 plus games and was just loved by the fans and hugely respected. And uh, obviously, I, I get on really well with Finners as well. So I think that team and era, you know, that, you know, obviously Michael Duff and then Shane Duff eventually came into the group a year or two later. Um, those names, victories, those are the names that. I think of Cheltenham, even though that was like sort of nearly two decades ago. Those are the names I think of Cheltenham Town Football Club uh, when I sort of think of Cheltenham in their history. Yeah, um, I will. I will actually follow up on that one. But before I do, I want to get JP's because I I think JP's going to go for one that I don't think either of us would have. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> it at all myself. But uh, yeah, JP, over to you with that one. Well, this is a tough one. I mean, I'm not going to go too far back, but. The, the team Joyce you mentioned in 0102, that's arguably Charlton's best ever team because they got to the fifth round of the FA Cup and got promoted. You've got the John Ward team of 0506 promoted um, to League One again and stayed there for a year for the first time and stayed there for two years eventually. Um, you've got the Gary Johnson team that won the conference with 101 points. So, and this current team, you know, this current team hopefully will end up being in the same bracket as those. But I'm going to pick 
Um, I'm going to go for the Cottrell team that won the 1998-99 conference title just be- just because um, it's a slightly different era to the one Joycey mentioned, although some of the players were still there, like Jamie Victory, Michael Duff. But the team would be Steve Book in goal, Michael Duff, Chris Banks, Mark Freeman, Jamie Victory, um, Mark Yates, Lee Howells, Keith Knight, Russell Milton, um, David Norton, Clive Walker, Neil Grayson, Jason Eaton, Dale Watkins, Jimmy Smith. Um, probably forgotten a couple, but that, that was... You know, because of the age I was at at the time and they achieved something that Cheltenham never thought was possible to get into the Football League for the first time. Um, you know, I'd love to see that team take on the team Joyce you mentioned, take on the team. You know, even the 11-12 season was a great team, wasn't it? With Pat Penn, Summerfield, Clyde Mohammed, Sido Jumbati, Alan Bennett, Steve Elliott, and then Butland or Scott Brown in goal. But I think I'll, without mentioning every single one, I think I'll go for the 98-99 and Gav, Gav Garthwaite will remember them well as well. I know he was around watching the team at that time, so... That team that Russ, Bookie and Michael Duff, obviously on the coaching team now, were all involved in. Steve Cottrell, he took them up. Uh, three promotions, including the one Joycey mentioned, in five and a half seasons. Incredible times and laid the foundations for us, thankfully, in Cheltenham now, still having a football league club all these years on. Yeah, I, and I knew you was going to go for that team because it's so hard It's so hard to argue, isn't it? That team's yeah. just incredible. And they also won the FA Trophy, of course, the year before. Yeah, so FA Trophy as well. That in in a sense to me, obviously, even though it was before my 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 time, um, I look back on it, and in my opinion, that team and that era set the foundations to as to be, you know for us to get where we are today. It set the foundations. It, it it started absolutely everything. Yes, we've been down since then. I know that we come back up, but that started this this whole romance between Cheltenham and the football league. I think it's hard to argue that one, but. I am actually going to agree with Joycey here because that was the one, when I saw the question, that was the team that I picked instantly because that that 0-1, team that won the playoff final, I mean, wow. It's just stacked with legends top to bottom, isn't it? Really is stacked with legends. And probably, I'd say, Martin Devaney's best game in a Chatham shirt absolutely dominated that Rushton team. And obviously my favourite player, you mentioned him, Joycey, my favourite ever Cheltenham player, or one of them, Finners, that set him on his course to becoming captain of this club and being the great captain he was. And just the names in there, you know, that's me growing up watching Cheltenham. That's the guys that got me into loving this club. So that's that's the team I'd definitely pick myself. It's good. There's a bit of a crossover, isn't there? So in that team that you picked, Tom and Joycey, Neil Grayson, that was his last game for the club, the playoff final. He was playoff part final. of the club. John Bruff, Richard Walker, Neil Howarth, they were all there and having been part of the conference winning team. So I think Cottrell built a couple of different teams, two or three different teams. And that one was probably the pinnacle in terms of quality, professionalism. John Finnegan coming in in place of the injured Lee Howells. And yeah, going on to win another promotion as well um, in under John Ward in 2006. So yeah, that team was was unbelievable. Great choice. And I'm sure anyone who's old enough to remember that team now would, would say it. It's up there with the best teams we've ever seen at Cheltenham. It is, yeah. And I agree with you. That's why I wanted to debate it properly. We're not debate it, but just go through it a bit better later on. Because like you mentioned, John, there's so many good teams. We've had so many, so many good teams put together. There's been a, the odd bad one. Well, I wouldn't say bad one. The one that didn't work out here and there. But we have been blessed with some quality players, some quality squads. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's an absolutely perfect way to uh, to end the show there. JP, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk football with you. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll do it again. 
Definitely, yeah. And I'd like to hear Gav Garthwaite's uh, dream Cheltenham team at some point as well, so we might have to get him on. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely speak to Gav about coming on for that episode. I'd definitely like to see him see him involved for that one. But yeah. Yeah, cheers, Tom. No problem. Cheers, JP. Much much appreciated. Joycey, yeah, as Boyley said, un- unsung hero, keep doing what you're doing. We really do appreciate it as fans. Uh, you, you, we know how how hard you work and you work your ass off to be honest uh, to make sure we're up to date with everything and you know I, I I do envy you a little bit I'd love to do your job but I don't think I probably could it'd take a superhuman and that's why you are the superhero I suppose but uh, yeah without blowing too much smoke thanks for coming on mate it's been a pleasure <laughs> <laughs> trust me Tom you could definitely do it you're halfway there with the podcast anyway trust me but now <laughs> for inviting me on I really appreciate it it's great stuff Brilliant. Thanks, mate. I really do. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you both. I'm sure. Yeah. Like I said, me and JP, we would probably do this again. Joycey, always welcome. We'll probably get you back on again as well. Spot on. No, but I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. So thanks very much, Tom. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, guys, that'll do it for episode two. Once again, thanks to both JP and, and Joycey for joining me. And of, of course, thanks to our sponsors, Luke1977. Go shop Luke, Luke1977.com. Shop there spring summer collection that has actually come out it came out a couple of weeks ago if you haven't seen it go look at my twitter the video is just unbelievable my bank balance was crying as soon as it saw it but uh yeah so thanks to those guys thanks to everybody who's listened watched liked subscribed shared it and also given given us some feedback we really do appreciate you getting involved and please do get involved it's not it's not just about us three on here. It's not just about me. It's, it's, it's for it's for you, the fans. So this is your show. I want to hear what you guys think, and we will continue to work and bring you the best, uh, the best, dedicated Chatham Town content we probably could. So yeah, thanks very much for listening, and until next week, come on, you Robins. <laughs>